Hello. Hello. And welcome to the fun filter, yeah, filtered, the fun filter podcast. You've <laughs> <laughs> um, only got one other show, Sam, and you're all Yeah, I know, but it's two, one, two, you know, two shows, but three names. It gets confusing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun a- a- anyone would think we hadn't done this in weeks. Indeed. <laughs> How have you been, lads? Yeah, I've been all right. Uh, been playing with my growler. <laughs> well, we, we've all been playing with our growlers, George. One of you. Does it growl? Um, no, Is that figurative? I, I was going to go get it, but I'm all wired in at the moment. Okay. Did you ever watch Robot Wars when you were younger? Uh... No. Or older. Have you ever watched Robot Wars? Very brief. Like, I know what yeah. it is. I know, like, yeah. the, the setup. Well, obviously, they've got, like, um, they've got, like, house robots, haven't they? Which are, like, you know, they're, um... They're field robots as well. What? They're field robots as well. Oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> okay, right. It took me a minute. I was like, hang on. But yeah, yeah, that's, okay. uh... Yeah, go, go on. A slavery thing. <laughs> slavery um, <laughs> Yeah, one of the house robots that they introduced in one of the later seasons is called Growler, and he's basically like this robot dog. Right. Um, and he has like his mouth opens and it like crushes robots and stuff. Mm. And I have like a remote control Growler mm. that's been in like the garage for months, but Dad's been like digging stuff out of the garage, so it's now in my room again. Right. So I'm not gonna lie to you, I haven't touched it. Right. I just thought the phrase "playing my with my Growler" yeah. was would be a fun way to open the podcast. Yes. So yeah, I've more just been admiring it from okay, afar. You've been admiring you know? your ground from afar. <laughs> from afar, yeah. Okay, Eddie, have you been playing with anything? <laughs> um, not not like that. No. Okay. Um, no, I mean writing's quite boring. I. I <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> no, um, I tried going on. So th- I live near the barrage, mm. and on the the cli- the sort of Panath cliffs. There's a like right. derelict building on a hill, and I basically spent three days trying to figure out if I could get like up to where the building is, and mm. discovered that it's like on a private estate, which right. used to be like home to this like 1.2 million pound mansion, but uh, you, you you can't actually get to the building that's on the edge of the cliff without going through the estate, and no one on the estate lets you go on. Ah, uh, what what is the secret? I, it, I don't know. It's literally just a, like it was an out. From what I can read online, it was like an outhouse, like billiard room, right? That's on. That's just been left, and obviously, like the cliffs at some point are going to give way. And I just wanted to have a look. It'll be boring. Just an avalanche. But of I just want snooker balls. <laughs> Does it have like? Is it all um, alone on the top of a cliff? And is there like a little ring of like dark storm clouds and lightning <laughs> that ha- that hovers only over that building? Oh, uh, do you know what? That would be cool. Um, yeah, but. Um, no, I, so I was kind of like trying to see if I could find find the way to get in, get to it anyway, without going through the estate. Yeah. So to no avail. So I've kind of come to the conclusion that what I'm going to have to do is buy a drone, <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah. I can. I'm, you know, I, I I'll just I send it up. Take some would pictures. Would approve of that either, honestly, Eddie. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I'll just fly it up, take some pictures. It'll be boring, but I will have figured out what I want to figure out. I wholly endorse this. <laughs> uh, you're you're compelled. You have an obligation to find out what's in that room. Yeah, it's, that structure. I just don't get why, because it, it seems to be a thing. Just you cannot now get to it. And I was like, ah, nah, that, that seems a bit strange to me. Well, where the hell are they billiarding if they're not doing it in the billiards room? Yeah, I don't know. But yes, other than that, no, I've basically done nothing. Okay. Um, Can you hear the Hoover that's right outside my room? Yes. Yeah. Can. Yes, I can. Yes. No one was here yesterday. <laughs> okay. 
They must know, because I don't- I don't tell them. Right. I haven't- I haven't told them, because, like, what are they gonna do, you know? Yeah. They- but still. I can hear more than a hoover as well. There's someone singing along to the hoover. Well, that's the music. That's the, oh, the right. really loud music that my dad <laughs> okay. started blaring out, like, an hour well, ago. But he's gotta hear it over the hoover, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's got it figured out. I'm glad that he's sorted. <laughs> Is that your growler? I can hear your growler. <laughs> uh, you, you guys know that I listen to uh, some ASMR stuff. Mm. There, there's one of them. She goes by the name Scottish Murmurs ASMR. Uh, shout out. And there's just a really funny bit from one of her videos. Where at the start, at the top of every video, she says, Hello, uh boys and girls and everybody else and uh, in the, this one particular video she elected to explain why she says everybody else uh, hmm. no matter what your opinion is about gender etc everyone needs to feel included all that sort of stuff and in this video she has her dog with her and then her, her next breath is to say for example dogs could be everybody else <laughs> <laughs> that was the example that she used Okay, oh, wow. is the implication that uh, dogs can be between male and female, or people who are between, or people who are between male and female are basically dogs. Um, what was the implication of that? What's statement? the less charitable interpretation? They're both not great. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I suppose I like I like the idea that dogs have gender dysphoria. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm inclined to choose to believe that. I mean, they are a happy bunch. Dogs, they are. Aren't they? I just they seem like to have dogs. Got it all figured out. I just like dogs. Yeah. Well, a tranny's happy. Because I think if we can if we can say that they are, then they might well be dogs. I don't know if they are though. They're not. That's the thing. They're not. They're, aren't, they're, there's like a bunch of data suggesting that um, they're de they're definitely not. They're definitely I, not. I think. Okay. Yeah. I feel. I would yeah. say. I feel like this is slightly related to what we're talking to, right? But where my mum lives, they have a cat, and right. she has told me now, like three or four times in the last like few conversations, that she's got to the point where she's convinced that this cat thinks it's a dog, and I wonder <laughs> okay. how like how much of like a thing that is. Like, well, that's trans species <laughs> dysphoria. Yeah, that's it? something else entirely. Yeah, because yeah. it just it do, it does just make me laugh. I was like, cat that thinks it's a dog. Maybe trans people are cats because cats aren't happy, are they? Well, cat. Well, you, yeah, cats feel superior. So you're probably right. Mm. Yeah, I don't actually, I don't actually know the typical emotional state of a cat. Indifferent, because you know, like you see a dog and you're like, right, yeah, you're 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 enjoying life. Yes. You see a cat, and yes, they exude that sense of like superiority. Yeah. But I have no idea. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you angry? I think cat cats. Like, I don't know what you are. Cat. They're poised between murderousness and indifference aren't they okay so they mostly they're walking around thinking everything's beneath them I, I but but yeah i don't get the sense that this makes them miserable i get the sense that they can't they don't even they're so arrogant that they couldn't even be miserable about it do you know what i mean right um okay. and, unless they're trying to kill something that's what a cat is okay um so i would start having you know uh, a lot more belief i think it would have a lot more credence to it if so, you know, there are people who identify as dogs and as, you know, various mm, yes. uh, wildlife. It's either like I identify as a man, woman, or I identify as a dog. I've never heard anyone say, I, I identify as a dog who has gender dysphoria. Like, it's, <laughs> right. it's I've never heard anything that specific. And I think if we started hearing those stories, it would be a lot more believable. Okay. okay. Have you ever I watched... Mean, does, does, that kind of, does that venture into the territory of people who are like... Nuts. Well, yes. 
But is that venturing to the same territory as, um, like, oh, I'm a woman who identifies as a man, and my partner is a man who identifies as a woman, yeah. and we're in a straight relationship, a gay relate, well, a gay relationship that is straight because, yeah. no, hang on, no, it, no, no, I, no, I can't even keep track of my own experience. No, no, it's it's just um, like people who are in gay it, relationships, going, but because of yeah. how they like identify, it somehow ends up being a straight relationship. If, okay, I think if you're getting two people who both have gender dysphoria, it just three sixties and becomes a heterosexual relationship just with a Freaky Friday situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so if, yeah, so I guess if I was dating a woman who identifies a man, then it would be a, I won't say technically, a philosophically gay relationship. Yes. Yeah. Um, ha- I'm saying, have you anyway. ever watched a video of people who think they're dogs? I've known one. Well, no, but now it's all I want to do. <laughs> what there, is there, this? Damn this podcast um, for not letting me go and watch dog, I mean, their dog videos. Well, I think once you've watched it, you might not say that. <laughs> you can't unwatch it. You you can't. It is a very... Like, I mean, you know, let them do what they want to do. But it is a yeah. very weird watching experience seeing someone bark and think that that's normal. Well, you just think, if you, if you think that you are sincerely a dog, you genuinely believe that, does anything about reality conspire to disprove that notion? Like, what would you need to confirm to you that you are in fact a homo sapien. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's going around just like behaving like your dog, like I'm just gonna walk on all fours and just like howl at the moon and stuff. That's that's one thing. But like actually thinking, oh, I know like on a DNA level, I'm canine. Or yeah. is it that I was born in the wrong body? Like what is the fundamental? I think it's that. I I, I think I think it's like, yes, I, I know that uh, on a biological level, I am human. Right. But that won't stop me being what I truly am. So it's like it's like know? a failure of reincarnation almost. It's like this spirit was put in yeah. the wrong body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of. All right. I'd want to talk to someone. <laughs> I'm just imagining having a conversation with someone who like really believes it. I want to know. Mm. I want to know if they eat dog treats. They almost certainly do, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's got that's part of the. I was saying because like, I mean, like Shaggy and that used to eat Scooby snacks. And I always well, no, Scooby wondered sa- if they Scooby would... snacks are human food. No, no, right? I know, but I always wondered whether they, there was a dog because obviously they were giving them to Scooby Doo, and they, I was like, I yeah. wonder if those are like the, there's a dog treat version, and that's just what they're giving Shaggy because he's just not <laughs> he wouldn't notice the man's too stoned all of the time. <laughs> well, I think to like yeah. you know <laughs> Shaggy's eating dog. Food, oh yeah, like... certainly. I mean, I I think yeah. I I know people when that man's got the food. munchies, he he's eating anything. Yeah, I think like. <laughs> Even if there's someone who is genuinely kind of mentally in a mental state that they believe they are a dog, there is there tends to be a degree of fetishization with a lot of this stuff. Mm. Like the sexuality always gets pulled into it. It's always in that Venn diagram, and so I think yeah, anything that like that easily was an easy emblem for dog would be appropriated. So they almost certainly sleep in kennels. They drink water out of bowls. You know, um, little dog beds. Yeah. You know, they they indiscriminately rape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they love a good bone. Those dog people. (laughs) They love a good there you go. And I think there's nothing more we can say about that. It's been said. (laughs) In terms of that conversation. Um Yeah. I've been watching a a show called Younger. Okay. Ooh, do I know this? I don't know. I haven't talked to you about it. Okay. Um it's a comedy series that's created by the dude that uh, ran Sex in the City. Um, I think it's fair. I don't know this. You don't know it? No, it's quite quite a niche show. It's on like a channel. Well, I don't even know what the channel is. Like life. It's not a channel that doesn't exist. Some channel that doesn't exist. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, 
I think it's fair to say that it's catered principally for women and gay men. But that's not me being okay. Sam. I think that's like that's fair. Well, Sex and the City yeah. is like this notoriously like a woman's show. Yeah, and this is that. You it's know, like the premise of the, the show. stereotype of um, a woman. This is a show about a fort- woman in her forties who wants to work in publishing, but apparently, I don't. The, you know, I can see this being true. The world of publishing has a an ageist dimension to it and they they hire young okay. women and they you know they don't go for middle-aged and so she decides to lie about her age saying she's 26 uh to get into this uh company and obviously she's got to lie to the friends she makes there the bosses and this all stems from her being in a bar and i guess looking younger than her years and a guy in his 20s hits on her like a really young athletic you know um and she lies to him about her age. She's like, oh, maybe I could lie about it for my career. And I just wanted to bring it up because there's one scene in it. This is sort of the mode of the show. I'm actually quite enjoying it on like a stupid soapy level. Right. But there's this scene, there's this episode where there's a fundamental disagreement in the relationship. The guy wants to try anal sex and mm-hmm. she doesn't. But she doesn't want to tell him that. And there's like a, a through line, kind of a you know, a recurring idea through the episode as well that she wants to get a tattoo. Hmm. And the at the end at the end of the episode, they lull you into thinking that she's acquiesced to his sexual suggestion. And there's the sequence, and they, they play it one hundred percent straight, right? Where it's like candles are lit and then the guy is like wearing gloves and he like lubes up his hands and all that <laughs> I sort know of stuff. Where this is going. Yeah. And then it, yeah. and then she's pulling down like her dress, and then it just shows her lying on like a tattoo artist chair, like and, and he bends down <laughs> to give her a tattoo like on her ass or whatever. And yeah. if that was played for a laugh, fair enough, but it's really not. It's played as like sorry. a sorry, sorry. <laughs> so she got the tattoo. She be. got the tattoo on her ass, either also like her lower back, you know. I was like, no, yeah, but like yeah. lower back thing. If she's like, no, 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 you can't go near my ass. Oh, but a tattoo on my bum. Oh that. yeah, Eddie, you've got tattoos, right? Yeah. Is that like a not a good place to get a tattoo near or on your ass? It's a weird place to get a tattoo. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think I think it's fair it's fair of her to say to be okay with having a tattoo on her cheek and then having an organ rammed up <laughs> her passage. Like I, yeah. I would probably I mean, be more for, okay also, with getting a tattoo. I mean, it depends. For some people, <laughs> one hurts more than the other. <laughs> It's not always that I, way round that you think it is. I suppose, but at least one carries very very few implications beyond what it actually is. <laughs> the other one, there's a lot Have more you, going on there, you know? I mean, you, I was going to say you can't sit down with a tattoo on your bum, but you can't really sit down <laughs> sometimes. Well, I, I was going to say, can you I, sit down I suppose after that, that depends that? as well, right? It's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm saying, I don't know. Have you ever seen... Um, no, I've never had anal sex, Eddie. <laughs> Have you ever seen Cheryl Cole's bum tattoo? I think I have, yeah. I don't know. Is actually. it a rose? It's a massive rose over both like cheeks and stuff like that. Right. All I'm saying <laughs> oh, is give, please right. tell me that the, the like the, the center of the petal <laughs> is I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um well, all I'm saying is that a tattoo like that, not only will it have taken absolutely ages, mm. but mm. when that starts to like blister and heal and stuff and all that it does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There is no way she could have sat down for like weeks. But so she's too rich and famous to get something as mundane as a blister. <laughs> <laughs> she's too rich and famous to sit down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Some of the only poor people to deal with. I, for- I forgot. I forgot we're talking about a different class system. <laughs> it, as soon as you earn like X amount of millions of dollars, you unlock like a fourth state of. Yeah. Like there's sitting, there's standing, there's lying down, but there's a fourth one that we're all too poor yeah. to understand. Yeah. Hovering. Yeah. And then my final little tidbit. <laughs> my life tidbit. It's this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was reading about uh, the side effects or the effects of withdrawal from a particular uh, medication. And it was, so it's this list of things and it's all, you know, the usual stuff where you'd expect. Headaches, irritability, nausea, dizziness. At the bottom of that list was spontaneous orgasm. Now, right, okay. Eddie. Yeah. What's that about then? What's going on there? <laughs> Do you know Explain what? Eddie, you've spontaneously orgasmed. <laughs> Explain it to us. Um, I can't. I mean, I can't say I've ever met anyone that's experienced said side effect. Yeah, what a wonderful um, world it would be. But I, I suppose. I mean, anything's plausible. Is it what? Um, so it, it's like an unstimulated. Like you could just be walking, or you could just be sitting in your house, and then you, all of a sudden you just like it was basically a, go a for cock it, attack. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If it's messing with the chemicals in your body, I suppose. Yeah. That, that there is like something there that, that you know, depending on how you, they're trying to like rebalance themselves, mm. that could go askew in a certain direction and make you overly sexualized. And yeah, it, why am I just getting the dizziness and the irritability? <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you want a spontaneous? Are you say, are you saying you want a spontaneous orgasm? I'm saying I wouldn't not want one. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Not that it makes you horny, that it makes you, like, climax, basically. That's, that's like, the instantly. thing. If it was, like, you know, um, heightened libido or something, like, okay, I sort yeah. of get that. A general state. A change in state. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not just, like, something that... I'm, I'm just, you're picturing it the same as I am, right? You're walking down the street and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just picturing the Lonely Islands jizz in my pants video. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's that's been just my you, life. Just you walk, just you walking down the street, going, <laughs> like that. <laughs> just be like, oh no, Eddie, do that face again. No, I uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, 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 go on, please, Jordan. I'm not letting you record me do that. Absolutely not. I'm not going to record you. I'm not going to record you. Go on, Jordan. Your hand is ready by the record button. There is what, what record button? Right, we all know. What's th- the record button on a keyboard? We all know there is a record button on Skype. And your hand is currently hovering over the keyboard, and I can tell from the position you're sat. I, I'm in. gonna, I'm gonna wager. No, that your finger's <laughs> hovering over the print screen button. <laughs> well, you just gave it away now, sir. <laughs> it was gonna be the thumbnail for the video. Steady. Uh, I'm absolutely not <laughs> doing that. in pleasure. Absolutely not. Oh, doing Photoshop. That. Photoshop. Easily, easily. You spoiled done. sport, Eddie. You're a spoiled sport. <laughs> well, you do it then, George. No, but you did it. Like it was. I don't care. You know, you want it? You do it. To be fair, I do think George, because in our in our covers in our cover songs, you know, I'm doing the you know the, the singing. Eddie's doing the ridiculous, the gimmicky, silly stuff, and you get to play the elegant piano, and we have to do the wee for Doctor Who. I think you should uh, you should have to lower yourself to hey, do if something. You, if you guys want to learn the piano to play the cover songs, that's fine by me. If you want, if you want, if you want to lend me your piano, George, it behooves you to be stupid. Behooves, behooves, because Doctor, because the Doctor Who. Oh, sure. You do the embarrassing part of the Doctor. Sure, Who. yeah, that was intentional. Behooves. So, <laughs> um, 
There's going to be a Sonic sequel. George, go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm... Saddle up, ladies and gentlemen. This is the next hour of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm really looking forward to about the sequel? What? I'm really looking forward to having to watch 90 minutes of, like, uninspired drivel. Mm. That people think is good because it's ultimately inoffensive. Right. So that I can get to the 30-second mid-credit teaser where Knuckles shows up which means I can get excited for the next 90 minutes of uninspired drivel. And yeah. I'm particularly looking forward to rece- to repeating this cycle basically forever. Are you really looking forward to it, though? Because that you sounded sarcastic. No, no, no. I'm genuinely looking forward. <laughs> I'm okay. just looking... F- I'm just waiting for the look on your face when he gets nominated for an Oscar, which will be <laughs> oh, completely and uh, uh, like utterly undeserved. Um, but there'll be nothing else in competition for whatever reason. But bear in mind, like, you know, just the film itself, all the before, like, it's it's absolutely not Oscar material. But no. there is an original song in there and basically nothing has come out this year. So they're going to have to fill the categories with something. Well, here's a question. If so- a Sonic film, assuming that they continue the trend of being middle of the road, inoffensive schlock, mm. if one of them is nominated for an Oscar, but, you know, for visual effects or for makeup, would yeah. that irk you? I mean, it depends. Like, the, the visual effects, they're okay. They're fine. They weren't, like, amazing. Sonic was well done. That was basically it. They're, like, what the uh, the least you can expect, like, with a certain budget, I would yeah, say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yes, it would irk me greatly because these films, though... But then again, like, Suicide Squad won an Oscar. Yeah, but... It- and a lot of people just kind of go, oh, well, that, that one doesn't count. You know, yeah, that, that that's always bothered me. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. Like, if a terrible film has great costumes, then award the, co- the costume designer didn't write it. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for Jim Carrey to be up for best supporting. Ooh. I think Turner's Eggman. I think for that to happen, why why are you trying to? I'm trying to keep a level head here, <laughs> for, Eddie. Because I want I want you to go off the rails, George. It would it would require the the main course that COVID has been the entree for. To get to a year where Jim Carrey is up for supporting actor for playing <laughs> Eggman. But that could well happen. Anything can happen now. Anything could happen at exactly. this point. There have been so many harbingers, so many heralds of the apocalypse this year. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe Jim Carrey winning an Oscar for Sonic will be like the um, the trumpet sound before the rapture. <laughs> uh, that's, wait, that's all we have to say, really, isn't it? Just like, ah. I, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I was watching the... Um, because CinemaSins, as of time of recording, CinemaSins released a video on the Sonic movie, I think, yesterday, right. I think. Oh, cool. Um, I haven't watched CinemaSins in ages. And mm. I haven't seen the film, basically, since it came out. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'll, I'll watch the video. Right. And I'll see if the video inspires me to continue watching either. <laughs> right. So I was, I was just watching the video, and I was kind of, like, being reminded of the film, and I was just watching the sins that they were assigning it. And I was like, human beings... Mm. are the product of, like, millions of years of science and miracles, basically. Okay. Like, we're just... I like how you you lumped in miracles with science there. Well, they're two separate things, you know? Yeah, but they're incompatible things, right? Yeah, but, like, the science, like... It's fine. Yes, it's science a, is what it's a minor cripple. I mean, go, carry on with your rhetoric. I know what you're saying, but, like, science got, science got us here, but some of the science is so, like, unlikely... It, it's okay, basically fine. a miracle. Okay, you know? fine. Yes, I will. Yeah, but yeah, we're just like we're, we are <laughs> science and miracles. Science and miracles. Millions of years of science and miracles, and here we are. These just like these bags of meat that are just piloted by this pink blob of fat, right, in our heads, 
within which is chemistry so sophisticated right that we have like sentience yeah like we are able to comprehend not just what we are but like where we came from to a certain degree where we're going we're able to conjure things like mathematics and language and like all these complicated systems just out of thin air right like we can experience emotions so powerful mm. that they can unravel the minds of like that were mighty enough to understand them in the first place right and yet we humans yeah we the phenomenal phenomenon that we are mm. watched the sonic movie and went yep more please <laughs> okay maybe not the more please i think but i i certainly watched it and went okay I think that is my review of Sonic uh, the Hedgehog. Okay, <laughs> right. That that is my. Um, that's you got to you got to think. That's my Jordan. review of 2020. <laughs> my review for 2020 is like it's okay, but it it starts off as as confusion and shock, and it becomes anger. So it's like okay. <laughs> um, 2020 is just a really bad date. Yeah, <laughs> I think you got to remember that you know Sonic the Hedgehog the Sonic the Hedgehog movie would have been magic to primitive civilization. It would have been sorcery. Showing it would have... You could they say that they about any... You could say that you about could, you like could. a fucking Adam Sandler movie. You, you could. Know? You could. But oh, Grown Ups too. If you showed that to a caveman, they'd yeah. think it was amazing. You Mate, could, if but you, I think no, that... You show the caveman. I'd rather you just make a film like, I don't know, uh, The Dark Knight, where you show it to like a modern person and they go, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. I'm just, I'm throwing a spanner into the idea that we've, got, we've gone through all this progress and this is what we've come up with when... You could show anything we have now to someone who. It's not just. It's not just the fact that, like, oh, this is like all of everything that's happened to us, and this is the best we could come up with. Yes. It's more the fact that everyone else went. Yep, that's the best we can come up with. I I trust. I trust this was the best you could do to someone. Are people saying that though? I mean, it had like like, middle of the road. Okay, it wasn't a disaster. Therefore, it's good. No, 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 no. I mean, I think there's a lot of. It wasn't a disaster. Therefore, it wasn't a disaster. And that you was know? after they spent millions I I, 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 I'm genuinely interested to see... Sorry, Eddie, I talked over you there. I said that's after they spent... talking about Sonic, yeah. so I'm not going to shut up. So just take what the opportunity that you can. I, I said that was after they had spent millions reanimating it. Well, that's the thing. Because expectations weren't the best when it was announced. Mm. Because not only is this a Sonic movie, and people generally don't have a good opinion of Sonic, but also it was a video game movie, and it was a live-action CG hybrid. So it was like everything was in place for it to be a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. Then that first trailer came out and everyone was like, oh yeah, it's going to be a fucking disaster. Right. And then they improved it, which we're all like, the narrative is that it wasn't deliberate, right? That's what we're That's all not saying. the narrative. That's just the reality. <laughs> sure. So it wasn't <sighs> deliberate. Are you, do, 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 no, do, I, genu- okay. I genuinely don't okay, believe okay, it's good. deliberate. Are you I conspiracy just... nut all of a sudden? <laughs> I yeah, do okay. think it's, it's, it's fortunate because the point that I'm basically making is that it was going to be a disaster. The first reveal, yeah, it's going to be an absolute disaster. Then they improved the design mm. and they cut together a really good trailer. Mm. And everyone went, oh, okay, My, maybe it won't be a disaster. And then the film came out and it sort of met and maybe for some people even exceeded the expectations set by the second trailer. And they were like, oh, okay, this was actually not a bad thing. Right. So I'll be interested... Um, to see how the second film does when expectations have been set like moderate to high for most people. Mm. I think that's part of the success of the first film is that no one thought it would be good and it was okay, therefore it exceeded expectations. The second one has something to live up to now. I think it's relative in the sense that 
I, you know, I end up, Eddie and I sort of end up being sonic apologists just by virtue of not thinking that it's, you know, uh, a film by Goebbels. But, <laughs> like... Uh, hey, if, Goebbels if, did some wonderful, wonderful <laughs> stuff with cinema. Some wonder, some wonder yeah, cinema. Tim Miller hasn't. People apologise for him, though, for some no, fucking reason. No, but here's the thing. If we were doing this podcast and, Jordan, you love the Sonic the Hedgehog film for whatever reason, mm. I would be going, are you fucking nuts? It's rubbish. Yeah. So, like, pretty much in any other context, um, I am not the defender of Sonic the Hedgehog, but o- only in the context of thinking it is bad, as you're saying. Uh, all of a sudden, like, it's not that bad. I mean, you say that, Sam. Yes. The film was originally supposed to come out in November of 2019, right? Yeah. Didn't come out. Round about the time in November 2019, when the film was supposed to come out, COVID-19 suddenly transfers from bats to people. Right. Then wow. the film actually comes out in February. Yeah. Not long after that, mm. COVID-19 becomes a global pandemic. Right. I'm not saying the two are related. Yeah. I just think it's fascinating that the two, like the proposed release date and the actual release date somewhat coincide with like the biggest pan, like the biggest event of our lifetimes taking place. Uh, so what that is causing hundreds of thousands of deaths. What, co- what correlation are you drawing? I'm not drawing any correlation. I'm I'm just saying that, oh, isn't it a coincidence that uh, COVID-19 and Sonic sort of occurred around the same time? Okay. I think it's a reach. <laughs> I think it's a reach. But you mentioned it jumping from bats to people, and uh, the thinking at the moment seems to be that that isn't the case. Oh, is it not? No. So what started as a cons- as an out there conspiracy theory is gaining traction as a feasible possibility. Uh, which the is the theory it came from my lab. It came from my oh, lab. I, was I, say, came I from swear to God, if you okay. say 5G, I'm going to punch my desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, China were developing it in a lab and it got out either accidentally or not accidentally. They te- uh, uh, right, why okay. do I feel like if they would do, if that's the case, that it will turn out that they were testing it in a lab, they were mm. using bats to test it, and then they, yeah. some, they got rid of the bats, it ended up in a soup, someone ate the soup and that's where it came. And that's where it, it, it may, it may, it might well, well be just another like, um, we're just going one step before the big bang sort of thing. So it still well could have been bats, but it's like, but something gave it to the bats, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that does sound that anyway, sounds very we'll plausible because we are stupid like that as a race. Stupid or deliberately malevolent, Eddie? That's the that's the question, isn't it? Can we be both? <laughs> I was going to say that's both. the tightrope that humanity is constantly walking. Yeah, <laughs> stupid or evil? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at you know, look at the riots. Um, <laughs> look at the Sonic movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right, you wanted to talk? Well, mention Scarface. Oh, uh. oh, that's yeah, that's literally it. They're remaking Scarface. The interesting thing about it, though, you because usually when the news comes out that oh they're remaking, you know, insert popular film here, yeah, everyone rolls their eyes and they're like, oh okay, studios trying to make bank off it and whatever. Mm. But the team behind it is interesting. So you've got I forget his name. I looked it up because I didn't know his name, but I don't know it, his it's name. It's Luca Guadagnino, I think. Is yes, I yeah. who remade Suspiria. Well, who directed Call Me By Your Name. And directed Call Me By Your yeah. Name. Um, I have not seen Call Me By Your Name. It's very good. And I did not like the Suspiria remake. Suspiria but I is rubbish, not, but it looks good. It looks really good. Yeah. And I don't I don't discredit that like it appeals to a certain person. That mm-hmm. certain person just wasn't me. Yeah. Um, but I hear Call Me By Your Name is pretty good. Yes, great. And he does have a flair for visual design and whatnot. So it's like, okay, as a director, you could certainly pick worse people. Yeah. Um, and it might. I'm not. I haven't seen this confirmed anywhere, but I think it's being written by the Cohen brothers. Yeah. Well, 
the thing there is when they write scripts for other people it's hit or miss with the Coens Gambit is the first thing that came to mind is it Gambit the yeah first Gambit movie? but they also did Bridge of Spies so it's okay. like it seems to be based on the strength of the director to some degree yes and so maybe a good director with their script who knows but they're not I'd like to know why like they those... are directing it themselves but you know yeah exactly but they're not like those aren't the people that you pull in to make like generic studio remake no like they're the type no. of people who would probably have brought the project to the studio and said we want to have a crack at Scarface I don't know who would have approached whom but yes I mean they, they do write like Bridge of Spies is, is a studio movie I, I guess you bring them in to write the more aw- we're making this for awards yeah, yeah. and to break even sort of um, studio film rather than you know you're Kurtzman and Orsi's, you know, and all those. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, the only thing thing I will say is that their remake of The Lady Killers is pretty horrific. Well, that was their worst film, like, hands down. But, but they they did direct that as they well. They did, you know? which is a shame, because I'm a massive fan of the original. But Yeah, the original... I mean, I'm a, the Coens are probably, just in terms of sheer number, my favourite filmmakers. Um, then again, they're also rather prolific, aren't they? So again, by exactly. sheer numbers... Yeah. Yeah. Lord probability would dictate that they're probably going to, you know, yes, release enough. But, you know, Woody Allen is very prolific. And I get, he, like, makes one in maybe ten good films. I, I'm going to say yeah. something which I feel like it might sound controversial. Mm. But I'm really glad, because I like certain things that he's done. Obviously, I, I'm a big fan of, like, Midnight in Paris and stuff. But Rainy Day in New York, I'm really glad that it's shit. Okay. Why? Because... After he obviously did that, and the whole like everything sort of got built back up to do with like the claims and stuff like that about him, yeah, like every like all the people that like shunned it, and I just went, mate, you've all shunned something, but like to take Timothy Chalamet, it's not like I dislike Timothy Chalamet, right? I do, <laughs> but his performance is like quite panned in the radio. Like he's yeah. you know he's not very good in it. Well, I've, I've heard um, that he's just channeling Alan, which to be all Woody Allen leads channel Woody Allen. Yeah. Some less successfully. But yeah, it's, you know, I was just like, I, I, I'm i almost kind of glad it's not very good because you've all got mm, Woody Allen. And then... I don't know, because I kind of... It would have been better, if, I think, if it was really, really good because it would have forced, not all critics certainly, but it would have forced a, a substantial amount of critics to concede that you can make great art and have a less than ideal personal life have you heard i was saying you know? have you heard the thing about what woody allen has said it regarding timothy chalamet i've heard that he wrote in his book that the only reason that he uh disregarded the film was to improve his oscar chances yeah which yeah i mean which that's he, totally believable oh yeah, yeah yeah it's completely believable yeah. um but he has also then not commented about that which i thought i, I just went okay so Woody Allen calls Timothy Chalamet out like that. Yeah. And then Timothy Chalamet just goes... <laughs> it doesn't say anything. <laughs> I was Timothy like... Timothy Chalamet hasn't. Well, as, what, what has Woody Allen said about it beyond that assertion, beyond that proclamation? Has he offered any elaboration on it? it no, he's more just like, you know, he like seems kind of almost understanding. I do want... I kind yeah. of want to read um, Woody Allen's memoir, see what it's like. Apparently it's really good. Mm. I've heard it's really good, uh, which you'd expect. Yeah. But I do, I do just love love the idea of him going. Well, Chalamet only said this, and then Chalamet just did. I say nothing. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Is is he sort of like having to like? Oh, by responding to Woody 
right by responding to Woody Allen, it acknowledges that I'm following what Woody Allen is doing. I I'm suppose not supposed so. to be doing that. Yeah, you know? I suppose yeah. so. Well, I'm ag- acknowledging his existence. Yeah. Well, there, there, there is that um, confusion, isn't there, with, within this ilk of they don't know whether they want to, to erase people or obsess over people. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, do I acknowledge that Woody Allen is a person? <laughs> or or has, has he been retconned? Like it's I don't think they really know. Uh, he, yeah, what to Woody do. Allen. What's I'm that? Sorry, yeah, he, exactly, he yeah. is. I, I, this, again, I feel like it pretty sounds bad, but he he's interesting in a sense. Obviously, people always talk about the case to do with it's Dylan Farrow, isn't it? The guy who wrote it. No, no, no. So the person he's yes, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Dylan Farrow. I think so. Right, yeah. but they always talk about that. But if you talk to actors about the experience on set. Like, when you, without sounding harsh to Woody Allen, when you look at people who look like they might be a bit dodgy... You say he looks like a paedophile. <laughs> a little. Are you calling him a shifty-looking Jew, Eddie? <laughs> yes, I am. How dare you? <laughs> right? No, no, but he, he... It's right, he's only being anti-Semitic, there'll be no repercussions. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, but people talk... He, he does look a bit weird. Um, he, he, well, well, no, he looks Jewish. I mean, he looks like the quintessential... <laughs> Right. Just the my point being is that (laughs) for like for someone in the industry that was around during the same time and stuff like that, who I'm saying looks a bit weird, he is like one of those people where everyone talks about how good he is on a set. Like he he's not gonna other than this like isolated incident, he's not going to come out as like someone who like attacked several people on the set because everyone talks about how good he is as like a director on set but but unfortunately he looks like a Zionist trog is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> therefore he doesn't deserve our sympathies is that what you're saying Eddie? <laughs> I'm saying if you if you uh, if you're a fan of Woody, Woody Allen Eddie or at least mm. some of his oeuvre um, I recommend uh, watching some of his stand up on YouTube oh really? because uh, he was you know he was he was a stand-up before um, becoming a filmmaker. What's the... I think it's black and white. Yeah. What's that What's that one? What's, what am I thinking of, Sam? I think you're thinking... It, it's just a, a stand-up set, but I think it's particularly not- notable for the Moose story. Yes, that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. So, yeah, just just Google Woody Allen stand-up. It's great. He's, like, it's... The thing about comedy from, like, 60s, 50s, like Lenny Bruce, I just don't find it funny. I don't find... I understand how he paved the way and everything. But Woody Allen is still funny. That stand-up is still funny now. Like, the way he... Yeah, well, I mean, comedy from that era is just motivated by different attitudes and different, like... Yeah. People had a different energy back then. But I think there's... And you're not really tapped into that. There's one... um, In the modern day. You're not. There's there's one line in that bit that has always stayed with me when he's talking about having an an encounter with, like, a a big guy and it looks like it's going to get physical. And he's like, so here I am, perspiring audibly. And I love that. <laughs> perspiring audibly. That's so brilliant. It's almost like he's a writer or something, isn't it? Almost. Coming up with, lo- coming almost. Up with lines like that. <laughs> the, ac- the accent was fairly good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm trying to get into the, the better clubs. If I, if I ever go over to the east side. <laughs> I've been rehearsing it. Okay. I think think oh right so i put a question to you oh before we go before we get to that question because that feels like the final thing before we move we move on mm-hmm. um the playstation 5 oh, yeah. was revealed <laughs> yes. not so long ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's that for eddie was that a sadistic laughter <laughs> oh, it looks so shit <laughs> okay so yes it's 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 a, I, it's a strange it, looking beast to it, say the least it, I was like saying, woody it, allen 
Yeah, I know. Like when yeah. the PlayStation 5 was released, I was like, that's a dewy looking console. <laughs> Does it have a YAML um, on top of it? Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. It's sort of like, it's kind of a similar shape to the Xbox 360, but it's like a... It's a, it's a Wi-Fi you've router. Got the, you've got, that's what it looks like. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying it looks like a Wi-Fi router, but it's got these kind of like white panels that are sort of like coming off the side of it as well. I don't know, it's just a weird looking design. The reason right. I wanted to bring it up though is that they, they revealed it as part of like a Sony press conference because E3 isn't happening this year, yeah. obviously because mm. of coronavirus. I'm somewhat disappointed because I was actually going to suggest that we watch it because <laughs> God, E3, no. I know that you, you two don't have a vested interest in video games, but E3 is a fucking cringe fest. I know, I can't do it. I, I've shown you like compilations of it before as yeah. well. I mean, like you could, we could sort of like try and justify ourselves being like, oh, I want to see if like E3 has actual merit to someone who has no interest in video games, right? Or whether it's like purely, whether it's just inaccessible. Mm. But really, I, I just thought it'd be good fuel for the podcast. Like, oh, look at this fucking cringe fest that's been going on. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but the the problem that I see with E3 is that it forces so people whose jobs would have them confined to computer monitors uh, with limited social interaction all of a sudden have to give PowerPoint presentations about million dollar, you know, millions of dollar investments yeah, um, to rooms of baying fans. Mm. And they just don't have the tools or the skills necessary to adequately present. Well, it's, it, it's interesting in the sense that like, you know, like film, for example, the film industry kind of grew at a rate where the people who were occupying that space were able to keep up with it. Mm. Like they were able to grow, like they were able to sort of develop the presentation skills and the sort of um, showmanship and the attitudes necessary to kind of like create and present something like the Oscars, for example, something that has a bit of prestige to it. Mm. Whereas like E3, for example, like video games kind of exploded overnight in a sense, like all of a sudden these people who didn't need to be showmen and didn't need to have social skills and presentation skills Mm all of a sudden they were piloting this like multi-trillion dollar industry yes i think there's that and there's the fact that there's a clearer division i I guess because there's more of an established infrastructure in the world of film there's a division between it's understood the producers are the people that go out to charm uh financiers yeah and and their job is to be that circus you know um the ringleader sort of thing Hmm. kind of insulating the director and the creative talent in the bubble where they don't have to think about any of that sort of stuff. Like, sure, yeah. they might be asked, to, actors, please go on Graham Norton's show. You have to do interviews and stuff. But in terms, you know, there's a, there's a separation of church and state. Whereas with games, the rock stars are the developers. Well, and so yeah. I mean, you do, you do still have producers. Like, some of the biggest, pers- I say personalities, some of the biggest figures in gaming at the moment are producers and company CEOs and stuff. Yeah, but like the, the guys uh, like who go Todd out on stage I think is to like give the, to the presentations, like they're the main engineers, usually. not engineers, but they're the creative directors, right? Uh, well, yeah, when you're talking about individual games, but in terms of people who are like spearheading the conversation and the presentation, right. it's usually either the CEO of the company or it's like like a, like a major producer within it, such as right. Todd Howard. Right. But I think like, yeah, video games have grown up so quickly that like, they haven't quite found what how to approach it yet. Like mm. video games is sort of sitting in this weird valley between being like a tech company like Apple and Microsoft or mm. being something like the film industry. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of trying to cram like, oh, we're going to talk about our product in very like technical terms. It has like 
X amount of memory and, yeah. you know, this is the kind of performance you can expect. But they're also trying to have this kind of showmanship and prestigiousness of something like the Oscars. They're trying to be like, oh, we're like, you know, directors and actors and we yeah. have this vision for our product. Like, yeah, E3 is a disaster most mm. in most cases. But I have found that without it, I'm not really keeping track of what's coming out anymore. Right. Because even though the, the event isn't happening, they're still releasing, like, everyone is still kind of releasing the, the news of the games around this time. Mm-hmm. But rather than, you know, oh, tune into the Microsoft conference for two hours of gameplay trailers mixed in with, like, these presenty bits from, like, the CEO and, like, oh, this actor's going to come out and this guy's going to come out. What we have now is just an hour-long video of, oh, here's just gameplay, gameplay trailers for an hour. Right. And I feel far less compelled to delve into that. Yeah. It's weird just by like virtue of it being like, hello, welcome to the Microsoft conference. You're kind of, even though it's terrible, you're more invested than, oh, here's just the trailers. Well, yeah, yeah. There's like human connection there, isn't there? There's someone anchoring you. But to- there's not. No, I know. Because E3 is notoriously terrible at establishing they, they, that kind they are. of shit. Well, I think another problem, right, in like why they haven't, they haven't figured it out yet is because gaming, it's an industry that is so interwoven with obviously tech capability and because Hmm. that is growing so exponentially and so quickly they render themselves obsolete relatively quickly that's one thing Um, whereas with film even though there are obviously there are always developments in graphics and that sort of stuff it's not so entrenched in tech and so it it, it has more time to figure out what it is whereas gaming well yeah because filmmaking kind of relies on uh, storytelling and storytelling is a timeless craft isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's kind of afforded more leeway than uh, business. But yeah, so the, re- the, the, the main reason I wanted to bring up the PlayStation 5, because I did watch the Sony conference, mainly because they were releasing, like, this is the first time you're going to see the console, and also we're going to really, like, here's a bunch of, like, our first party games, and the games were alright, there's nothing I'm, like, thrilled about. It's like, yeah, alright. But they revealed the console, right? Mm-hmm. What they revealed, though, is that they're bringing out two versions of the console, One of them is just a video game console, which has, like, you know, it has a disc tray and you can download games onto it and the usual jazz. The second version is a digital-only version, which means that there is no disc tray. Right. So if you buy that version of the PlayStation 5, the only way you can purchase games is digitally. Right. You, You can't own discs because there's no way of playing discs. And I don't know, I just feel like that was... We've talked for ages about, like the fact that physical media is the physical media is dying out yeah that feels like quite a hefty nail in the coffin of physical media what's the, the thinking behind split you know present having those two options because presumably if you have a disc tray you'll still be able to yeah you can still download digital. digitally my assumption right. is the digital only version is going to be cheaper yeah I haven't seen confirmation of that but common sense would dictate that's going yeah. to be the case does it have backwards capability as well I think the PlayStation 5 in general does. Okay. That's something they've been talking about bringing back for ages. So that would be an additional... You'd be able to play... Well, you couldn't play PS2 games on the digital-only version of PS5, right? I don't know. Well, you wouldn't be able to play any games on the PS... Like, disc games on the PS5. I mean, be on, there's the disc version and then there's the non-disc version. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the non-disc version, you wouldn't be able to play any of those older games whereas you theoretically could with a disc tray well I think you could buy them like because on PlayStation Store there's like um, ports of older games that you can buy digitally yeah. right I right. don't know if they've built it into the physical version that you can put in like a PS4 disc and it'll play the PS4 mm. but like I don't know man it's just like I know like 
what you gain is kind of convenience mm. by having like a digital like you just buy all your games digitally and boom they're just there like oh i can switch over to doom eternal oh now i can switch over to bloodborne mm. and it's like no effort whatsoever but you can achieve that on the physical version mm. and what the physical version affords you is choice like you can put in a disc or you could because like i i don't know if this is something we were going to bring up anyway but like shows are just disappearing off streaming services at the moment your yeah. shows like little britain and like all of these like that are co- that are kicking up a fuss people are mm. kicking up a fuss about it over mm. the silliest of reasons yeah i think like when i heard that gavin and stacy was being taken off i think it was netflix yeah because there's a guy in the show called chinese alan mm-hmm. who's white and the reason they call him chinese alan is because he likes chinese takeaways yeah but apparently that is grounds for the show being removed yeah it's like fuck off seriously <laughs> That's not even a real reason. Come but on it's, now. It's but it's the, right. Here's the thing: the the bottom is going to fall out on this within a month, I would say. And like all of the, because at the moment it's in vogue, right? It's like yeah. Every time something like this happens, you'll notice how what started as a a protest against an unjust killing. How the hell have we? Fu- how the yeah, fuck somehow have we that's translated gone with the wind? to oh, let's tear down a statue of Winston Churchill. But yeah, but like you, you'll notice how quickly it's happened as well. I'm like, oh shit, quick, while this is on everyone's minds, let's get everything we can, our everything yeah, on yeah. our agenda through the pipe. And yeah. yeah, and like Gone with the Wind is like such a non sequitur. Like, hang on, what are we talking about? I thought we <laughs> exactly, it's, it's yeah. pure sophistry. It's someone trying to confuse you by bringing in these different tangents. Like, oh, like, hang on, no, no, I thought we were talking about police brutality. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I, but I think it's gone to such a ridiculous point where, you know, we're targeting Cocoa Pops and Paw Patrol. <laughs> the, it's it's pe- I've seen most people just going oh, like you just said fuck off and yeah. but the the problem is it will go away and things will reset to basically what they were but the next time this happens I think it's the, the, an inch more and then an inch more do you know what I mean the, it's mm. going to get a little further every time and things are going to happen more quickly every time yeah where it's like I you- think it's worth pointing out that like if anyone is following the continuity if not just uh, fun filtered but fun divided as well yeah like it was about a week well it'll be a couple of weeks ago when this comes out like you had a conversation with James Humphreys yeah. shout out <laughs> yeah. um and it was not long after George Floyd and I don't know exactly what was happening at the time but it was like before um it might have been like as shows were being removed off all like streaming platforms. Yes, it was around that time. Yeah. Yeah. But I distinctly remember a point where you were both like, I think it was James who said, this feels like the end of Western civilization. This mm-hmm. feels like an impasse. We can't carry on the way we were. Yeah. And you were somewhat in agreement. Yeah. Um, and then events over the past couple of weeks have just become so hyperbolic and satirical mm. that now it just feels like, oh yeah, no one's going to take this seriously. I anymore. think, like, I wrote, I wrote an article about that basically. Um, it was long, obviously, because it was me. Mm. <laughs> but it was <laughs> the only purpose, purpose of it really was to say, we, we can all agree that the, the killing of George Floyd was disgusting. Can we also agree that killing anybody else in response is disgusting? Yeah, yeah. That was it. And that, that was only like a three weeks old, maybe. And that is obsolete now. That, yeah, yeah, yeah that, exactly. Because um, we're just not really talking about that yeah. anymore. I mean, they're not, they're not obsolete in the sense that, like, even though they may they may not be reflective of the times and they yeah. may not even be reflective of the opinions of the person who created them, mm. it still serves as, like, an interesting little time capsule. It, do- it does. Like, oh, in it that does. moment, that is reflective of how we felt and how, how we were. How, and what was going on. Yes, know? but it, it almost... Like, I, I read it now and, in a way, it, it seems naive because things have become so ridiculous that thinking that I could get anyone 
that I could convince anyone to, to do that, to condemn all the murder. Right. It's like, oh, how this is how deeply it disagree. Uh, it's become clear how deeply we disagree on certain things. Like, it it now looks naive in a way. So I, yeah. I wrote a follow up article that was just kind of um, about everything really, rather than with one direct purpose. And it, like by that point, I'd stopped really being angry, and I was like caught in the hinterland between kind of shock slash amusement and disapproval. And so I wrote it like consciously with less diplomacy <laughs> to be just like, I can't convince you to condemn murder. And if I can't do that, I don't know how we're going to agree on literally anything. So I'm going to write, I'm going to write with like trying to make bridge no gap here. But by mm. the time that I wrote that and got all that out of my system, it just became funny then. Yeah. 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 So it took two kind of massive shits basically uh, for me to feel unblocked. Okay. So I think that that's quite reflective. Obviously, most people aren't speaking out about it. But I think similarly, they're going to like bristle and then realize, oh, what am I angry for? This is so, this is so stupid. Yeah. That to be angry is foolish. But, and obviously, like, like what started this yeah. is not stupid. Not at all, like, no. like, we don't want that to be people to twist it. Like, oh, you're saying the death of George Floyd is stupid. No, of course fucking not. I think it's, 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 it's the, like, the fact that this is segued and tangented tangented such a degree yeah like this it even it isn't even re- related to what happened anymore well, thing, no. i'm not i'm not i'm not negotiating anymore in in conversation and I'm, I'm not caveating like i you have if you don't take it as a given that we think that's deplorable what happened to him mm. i can't keep saying it all the time just to make sure you know do you know what i mean yeah 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 and so yeah. like this i'm not apologizing for, and, and like you said then, George, um, you don't want it to be twisted that we think that the, the murder was stupid or whatever. Um, they, if they, they don't agree with us, they're going to twist whatever we say anyway. No, I know. So it's like... like hey, I've, been call- I've been called a racist yeah, it's, it's twice that- in the last, you know, yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, but <laughs> so. unlike when we do it in a ironic fashion on the podcast, you've been called a racist sincerely. Yep. Do you want to quick, quickly explain that? I feel it merits. Just so people listening aren't going, oh, you must be if he's been called a racist. Uh, basically, and, and I, I put this in a con- context to you when we, we, we were talking, Sam, of yeah. my brain just kind of like shuts off, right? It doesn't know how to do, handle things, so it stresses me out. My brain kind of shuts off, right? I don't know mm-hmm. like what's going on in the world. I don't get what certain things do to really help. Very uh, quickly, can I interject before you yeah. explicitly say what it was? Because while we're in this area... Something you said, Eddie, yeah, was a profound revelation to me, mm-hmm. and that, and that was um, when I was like in the mire of rage about all this stuff. You said to me, you explained that like you have your own life and you have a routine and you need to make sure everything is going to plan and yes. you know. Um, so when you get to massive social issues like this, you're just your brain is not like. It's not there. It's not. Yeah, it just, like it just doesn't. To, my brain just don't function. Yeah, and that reminded me of the thing that Jordan Peterson always says, like that idea of uh, clean your room before you start trying to organize uh, society in the world. And then we think, yeah, the arrogance of like, all these people whose personal lives are a mess, mm. yet they think mm. they have the credentials to engender massive global change. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like like anything we have said, we are not advocating anything other than some things are bad <laughs> and, and, and and please get your facts right straight that's all we're saying yeah. that's all yeah. we're saying 
But you got these people say, oh no, bring down the police. Like, have you thought about what the fuck that means for a second? Hmm. Um, incidentally, I, I recommend listening to Sam Harris's podcast on this. It's a work of moral genius, in my opinion. It gets it all perfectly right. Okay. And it comes from a liberal perspective and a, you know, a very mediated, well-considered perspective. Anyway, I just wanted to Do say, Do you have Eddie, the, uh, the podcast, like the episode title to hand, just so people know exactly what you're referring to? I think to. it's called, Can We Pull Back From The Brink? Or something similar to that. Okay. I just wanted to say, Eddie, that I, I thank you because uh, you arbitrated my rage by, say, by reminding me <laughs> By reminding me that we've got to focus on, you know, uh, bettering ourselves before we can think of bettering yes. the yeah. world. Well, yeah. And so basically, um, I ended up in a group chat with people who I haven't spoken to in a very long time. And when all of this happened, I put a black square on Instagram. I didn't really understand. Like, I get it showing support, but it's still being seen by my 50 mates and no one else. So You just did it because... I, I did it just because, yeah. um, but I also did, so I, you know, I signed a few petitions, but I found petitions which I thought were good. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, well, like, they seem well written. They've mm-hmm. got a sort of at least a decent sort of goal with people, enough people sort of um, signing them and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I've done that, but yeah. I, I've chosen specific ones. And basically, uh, the people in the group chat turned had turned this into a one-up so it was like, oh, well, I've just done 20 petitions. I've been out doing this and, and all that. And then it's like, oh, what have you done? And I went, oh, I've done this. And it's like, oh. And then I was explaining that my head doesn't kind of follow yeah. all of yeah. this. And they were like, well, you're too, you clearly don't care. You're too self-involved. Uh, you must be racist. Right. <laughs> right. So that was one conversation. Because that's the logical So that was one conversation. Now, there is a statistical fact that more white people die in America from the police than black people. That is the st- in, in, she, fact. in sheer numbers and in relation to crimes committed. Yes. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not arguing the toss over whether to do, to do with the whole like black, white being killed. Not, not. I'm not arguing yeah. the toss over that. But the second time it, I, I got called it was because I was having a conversation with someone who had been in that group chat. Right. And they went, well, it's because more black people get killed mm. uh, in America than the white people do. And I went, that's statistically incorrect. You can yeah. Google it. And they didn't want to know. They yeah, did not care. want to know. They did not yeah. want to know that was the fact. And it's the one thing throughout all of this that does grind my gears, and I feel like this probably has come up in a conversation when we spoke, Sam. Mm. I understand that there is a, you know, his the death of George Floyd, it's been the catalyst for a lot of things, right? Yes. But what I don't adhere to is the people who treat him like he's an innocent man. As in, as in treat him like he was a saint sort of thing. Yes. And that he lived a heroic lifestyle because that is not true. Well, this is the thing. So in, in my second article, which I've already said was consciously undiplomatic, there were three things that I wrote and took out, okay? One of the things that I wrote well, not wrote. I, I, so in my article, I linked to a bunch of videos of people more qualified to talk about certain things than I am. And I linked to the now famous Candace Owens video where a, a black Republican woman basically decrying how the black community in particular, her words now, appear to lionize and make martyrs of men regardless of how they were in life, Right. And her point was, of course it's terrible, of course it's terrible, of course it's terrible, time's infinity. But let's not also pretend that um, 
you know, he was a, an upstanding citizen. Now, I actually, that, I took that out because I thought that for, for how frankly retarded and simple-minded and monochromatic the conversation is, that is like 10 floors up when we can't even talk about, when we can't even pass the first floor. Talking about George Floyd not being a great guy is 10th floor in that building of conversation. I was like, it's just way, I'm not even going to touch it because yeah. it's going to yeah. obsess over that. Because, yeah, and again, this is this is somewhat qualifying, which, yeah, it's a habit that I wanted to get out of even before you pointed it out, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making qualifications and stuff. Mm. Just because George Floyd didn't live a, a heroic life doesn't mean that he deserved to die in the fashion that he did. Oh, I don't think anyone no. was, you know. No, no, no. But, but, and, and, but just saying that, that one, this thing is bad. He wasn't a martyr. But like he was, somehow he was that's yeah. yeah, that it it's too complicated. That even that is too complicated for the ideology, right? Yeah, and so that will just be perceived as you just saying he was bad. Therefore, what happened yeah. was good. That's don't all worry. Yeah. The fact that the yeah. guy wasn't a martyr doesn't mean he deserved. No. That. We're not like endorsing no. the officer's no. behavior. I, I'm literally it doesn't go- work like that. I'm literally going. He was bad, but how he died was bad. That's you should, right. That should know that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're tearing down... They want to tear down the Winston Churchill statue because Winston Churchill was a racist, and yet Winston Churchill was instrumental in helping defeat Hitler. They, they're vandalising the Lincoln Memorial. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing that really pisses me off. It's the, it's the thing that I keep seeing a lot condescendingly um, on social media is please educate yourselves. Like, you are having a laugh. You are having <laughs> yeah. a laugh. I, I'm, you know, I'm not having I'll it. say the last thing I will say is that the people who are saying that yeah. in like most of the times I've seen it now to be fair I am basically not on social media anymore but yeah um, good call <laughs> uh, do you know honestly is the best thing I think I've done yeah my, my Twitter account is still deactivated and I'm loving life but the, 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 the people <laughs> like and I, I'm not saying everyone so anyone that's listening who has used this sentence who thinks they're not that shut up but <laughs> the people who are saying educate yourselves 90% of the time uh, the people who haven't, in my opinion, that I have oh, 100%, seen. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because I have like, seen people say, educate yourselves, and then I'm looking at their timelines and stuff like that going, well, it's funny because your posts all contradict each other. Well, the, the thing is, mm. they, they come from an, an emotional place and a narrative place of like, this seems to be the truth, okay? I f- like, this is the feeling of the truth. And so, can you, but can you imagine sitting down with really anyone who propagates all this bullshit on social media and saying, I hear you, I hear where you're coming from, I know why you're emotional about this, but did you in fact know that in terms of numbers, white people, and can you imagine them going, oh really? Oh, I, did, I will look into that, I didn't know that. They're not, they're just going to assume that you're lying or they're going to assume that the data is inaccurate or they're going to assume that data is in itself a function of privilege and white patriarchy because the general vibe is that the cops kill black people indiscriminately? Mm. Um, ironically, mm. do you know? Like, there's no argument to be made because the fa- the I can't remember who said this. The dispassionate statistic will never be as effective as the emotional argument. Yeah, and obviously that's true. And um, I don't know. Basically, I don't know yeah. what you do, but <laughs> but I do think it's going. I'm calling this the scold wall. That's my word for what's going on. Okay. Because they're, they're scolding the rest of the site. The scold. Yeah, I've had to invent Weinstein a lot of new terms for this. <laughs> what was one that I was trying to come up with? Just, is this? Oh, is this a Sam? Is this a Sam? This, 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 moment? This, the scold wall. I guess so. Yeah, scold wall. Okay. Uh, so basically, the culture wars. Uh, 
the manifest, I suppose, mostly as uh, telling white people that they are intrinsically racist and that Western society is intrinsically racist, uh, being told off for that in the form of uh, robbing stores and killing people and tearing down statues. Mm. Uh, the Scold War. Um, that, that's, that's not Sam's next corner. <laughs> no, it's not. I, don't know. I was going to say, oh um, shit, I don't know where I'm going to put the music in for this. <laughs> no, it's, it's Bad Samaritans, isn't it? All these people are Bad Samaritans. I think that the road to hell is paid with good intentions. I think that's really accurate. As I said in my piece, the thing, good Germans is the thing that keeps orbiting yeah, yeah. Um, all this. And like, I think like basically all of you, well, none of you are badly motivated. I think your hearts are in the right place. But if you give give your head a fighting chance, <laughs> like, you know, it's, they are used it's, yeah, to- Yeah, I mean, it's this, it's this sort of assumption, isn't it? That you, um, oh, everyone's on my side because what I think is- because yeah. I'm fighting for a good thing, therefore everyone is on my side and everyone who isn't is the enemy. It's not a case of winning people over to the cause because everyone should be on my side anyway. Well, you know? that, that's the way the... It's, it makes me think, like, when it, like, this whole, like, the fact that, like, the term racism is just being thrown around mm. so loosely, like, looser than it ever used to be. Yeah. You know, like, it's reaching the point where even, like, there was that thing, wasn't there, where it was, like, not doing anything is racist now. Well, yeah, well you, I mean, you yeah. can't be like, how do you expect? How do you expect to gain any sympathy when not doing anything and lynching black people carry the same label? Well, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a religion. It is actually a religion. It's because it's tribal, and it's binary thinking, and it's, it, it endows you with original sin because it says. But it's actually worse than religion with than Christianity because it says, if you're white, you are racist. Okay. And there's nothing you can do about that. Mm. You're white if you're ra- if you're white, you're racist, and you have no control over that. At least you can get baptized out of original sin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, at least you can yeah. become Catholic. There's nothing you can do if you're white. You just are racist. Mm. Okay, accept it. Or I don't accept mm. it, and you're actually a bad person for saying that I'm a racist. Yeah, it's it's this the, the way they, the men, the mental manacle is. Well, I suppose I'm either I either support Black Lives Matter and all this, or I'm racist. Well, I can't be racist, so I guess I support Black Lives Matter. Mm. When you reduce it, that's what it becomes. But you know, th- this is a low resolution conversation. This is a just the first floor when we should be talking about the whole building. Yeah, I will say um, I like the fact that we said at the start we weren't going to talk about this. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> we've gone really in, in depth. Well, on yeah, because this was sort of a tangent from the PlayStation Five conversation. Mm-hmm. So I want I want to wrap that up so we can move on. Yeah. The reason I brought up like shows being cancelled off streaming services is because that's the if the PlayStation Five digital version marks like the next the next step in the war against physical media mm-hmm. like the playstation 6 and the next generation of consoles will only be digital like yeah. netflix has stopped like stopped releasing dvds a while ago but like we're reaching the point now where like everyone has just got a streaming service so like every distribute like no one's gonna be releasing dvds anymore mm-hmm. like we're gonna reach a point where in like maybe like five ten years from now someone's gonna release a show on amazon they're gonna say something that someone goes oh by modern attitude this is actually wrong and suddenly, that show doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Because there's no physical version in the world. It's like, oh, you don't like it? Yeah, it's gone. I've been thinking about There's no that. conflict anymore. What about films, TV shows that depict racists to as villains or, or the, uh, you know, to critique the yeah. that way of thinking? Do they count? Not at the moment, but like if you're... Because it does seem like they're trying to retcon 
racism out of history. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I keep bringing up Churchill, but like, oh, it doesn't mm. matter what Churchill did that helped us. He's a racist, therefore he deserves to go. Yeah. So, yeah, like, if it, it, once we've, like, or at least to the satisfaction of the people who are, you know, trying to get rid of all this stuff, when they've mm. eradicated, like, racism, racism being depicted with any, like, what they perceive to be any sense of goodness or seeing yeah. racism where there isn't, then, yeah, they're going to go after the people who villainize racists because you're still, like, you're reminding us racism existed. Well, it's that... So you have to go. It's like Daryl Davis, which I talked about again uh, in that piece. This guy, this black guy that befriended a bunch of people in the KKK just because he kept showing up at their rallies mm. and then he was invited to, like, some of their meetings and then inv- he was... Uh, the, the Grand Dragon would come to his house for food and then he started being invited to that. And he just formed these friendships and he converted to 200 members of the KKK. He convinced them to give up their robes, right? Mm. He's done more just in that one, like, you know, um, prolonged venture yeah. than Black Lives Matter has ever done to, to convert people to their... Convert, to, to convert actual fanatics out of their fanaticism. Yeah. What Black Lives Matter does is, is driving everyone further to the right. Because it's, it's making people not want to speak up. They're going to retreat to their computers mm. and they're going to radicalize on the other side. The thing is, like, they think... Right, I think that this should be... This should be a magnet in the middle of both of us. At the center. And we should be gradually colliding, arriving at the middle together. Yes. But they are perceiving it as a tug of war. And mm. what they don't realize is they're going to keep pulling and pulling and pulling. And... The left are not going to realize. They're going to think that they've won because they pulled the rope over to their side. But that's only happened because the right have given up the game. They fucked off that way to get the guns. <laughs> and that is exactly what's going... I think that's ex- what's going to happen if this continues. Mm. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> it's not a threat. I genuinely think Watch that, out, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> that's what happens if you try and uh, enforce your ideology on people. Yeah. It, it, that's not a way to win an argument, you know? Mm. But yeah, like all of this is coming from people. So the implication with Eddie, for example, surely is that if you are not thinking about racism and being, you know, um, what's the word? Proactive in combating it every second of your waking life, you are somehow a racist because you're not doing it. But Mm. this is, everyone who's saying this are people who, until the mob told them this issue was in vogue, never talked about it privately or publicly at all. No. But now, because it's the issue of the day, uh, well, you're racist yeah. if you don't We don't know engage. that, do we? Well, we do. I'm talking about people we know now. Okay. Who never would talk about this stuff with us, okay. you know? I'm, be it privately or on Facebook. I, the thing I will say is that the group that I was a part of and some of the people who, like, were calling me out, I knew you about 10 years ago. Some of the things you said 10 years ago were definitely not. We're, we're arguably worse than what I anything I have done. It's just like so. The, the, I wonder how far truth and reconciliation goes because like that was the idea in South Africa after apartheid, right? Like the only way we're going to solve what, what the fucked up thing that happened here is that if everyone admits what they did and we don't prosecute them as long as they admit what they did, like mm. how they benefited from the exploitation and everything. And do you re- can you think uh, is there anyone anyone anywhere? that hasn't told a, a cheeky racist joke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? At some point. Or, or laughed at one. Just laughed at one. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's kind of referring back to what I was saying earlier, Eddie. Like, you're you're just, you're racist. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're, you're, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do now. You're the worst thing you could possibly be. Because all this, you all this time, I thought I was... Because all you did was a, change your uh, po- profile picture on Instagram or whatever. 
Yeah. You're now no better than people who, you know, are in the KKK uh, and rallying. Right. So and nothing you do matters now. All this, you're the worst you can all be. All this time I thought I was a misogynist and it turns out I'm the racist. It's yeah, just, you're a racist. Yeah. That's yeah, mad. I mean, I'm not, that's not an encouragement, sh- sh- by the way. I'm not saying know, like, oh, you're a racist now. Do whatever you want. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, that's sincere. another. It's a shame because I have. Just that's another thing. I, I have just ordered a white hood off Amazon. So uh, shit. <laughs> Listen, you've been, you've been, you've been cleansed. <laughs> I don't, I in, don't in give a hoods. shit, mate. I don't. <laughs> Honestly, in the pools, you've been cleansed from the tribe, haven't you? You're not in the tribe anymore. You're not in the tribe, and so it doesn't matter whether you're not in the tribe a little bit or a little bit. Like the fact you're just not there anymore, yeah. and so you're the enemy. You're yeah. out of the compound. Yeah, the great. Yeah, matter. and I wonder if that's something they realise they're doing that they're making enemies out of people that were probably you know probably saw them as their friends. Who brought but because they didn't quite well. make the standard. They're now worse than the people who I, I they've mean, been like I, I can con- fighting for. I'm not. Go- I'm not going to say say names, obviously, but I can confirm mm. that I know people who have abandoned people because they didn't share stuff on social media. Mm. They have abandoned that friendship. Well, look, all lives matter. Hashtag all lives matter is racist. Right, can't talk with you then. I don't know how to talk to you. Yeah. If we're going to say, you know, it's, um, that's sort of my position now, which is if we start at the start of any conversation about this, if I can't get you to uh, condemn the murders that have been perpetrated as a result of this without beating around the bush, or without going, oh, but it's a but and it's... No, no, just say that it's all bad. If you're not going to do that, then we can't have a conversation. I mean, in, in the world of espionage, these people are what would be referred to as useful idiots, right? They're helping a cause because they're going, oh, yeah, I'll help. I'll yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> and they just like, they, they tacitly or actively promulgate all this shit. But you just think that we can't even agree on... I thought <laughs> at Bedrock, we wanted to get to a society where race like basically didn't matter yeah right what what would be known as a post-racial society yeah. but even that expression post-racial society is considered racist Friends. by the ideologues because they're saying well how could no that's implying that it doesn't matter that you can't think about it well that's your white privilege the idea of a post-racial society because we will always no I want to get to a place where I just don't give a shit that if you're black or white it is irrelevant to yeah. everything no, um, it's, it's just silly we, we should stop talking about it, it, is, it's, just, it is. it's silly and it's winding us up basically this conversation stressing me out I'm not gonna okay. lie yeah okay well I'll round it off then just because in summary they think that the way to advance is to care more and more and more about race yeah and we are saying the way you advance is that you care less and less and less about race mm. I think that's the fundamental yes yeah. uh, problem and I will round off the playstation 5 discussion that this was nestled within yes by saying that um by encouraging anyone who does because i mean i don't buy consoles for like the first couple of years anyway because i wait until the library of games is worth buying the console for Mm -hmm. but i do encourage anyone to just buy the physical version you may think you're gaining convenience by having a digital only console but you're losing choice and you're also encouraging the industry to carry on to the place where like you won't you won't own anything anymore because you'll buy something that exists on a digital storefront that could be deleted at a moment's notice. Yes, you know? and I would add to that, expediency isn't always a virtue. No, exactly. Like what? It's like an age-old adage. The best, you know, nothing worth having... Hang on. <laughs> <laughs>
Is that right? Nothing worth having comes easy? Sure. Is that is that the expression? Okay. Okay. Yes. Mm. The point being yeah. that ease is not necessarily a benefit in the long run. Can I just can I just say, right, when you bought up the PS5 initially, mm. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that it had been compared, that online, that had been compared to a wireless router and that the Xbox had been compared to a mini fridge. That's what I thought this conversation was going to be about because that's oh, quite, yeah, yeah. That's they're, quite they're not, funny. They're not the... And we've, not the the best and we've just had the heaviest conversation we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> well, I thought that it was... I, th- I felt somewhat duty-bound to discourage the eradication of physical media, you know? Yes. Because this is definitely, like, definitively a moment on that path. Not a moment on that path. A stop. No, I get that. you. I, get you. I mean, like... As, uh... <laughs> For where I was coming from, I was just so certain that you two wouldn't want... Not that I would have wanted to excavate the current affairs, mm. but I was so certain that you two wouldn't want to talk about this stuff, and I completely understand why. Um, so when that opening opened, I dived through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that I didn't want to talk about it, it's that sure, I did Are you seeing a magpie out your window? Do you yes, yes. Do you see me salute? <laughs> you keep saluting. There's magpies there's a- everywhere. Okay. They just hang around outside my window, waiting for me to open the curtains in the morning. <laughs> Um, Aren't you supposed to say, like, good morning, Mr. Magpie, or something? Yeah, I'm saying it in my brain, because I'm doing a podcast. I'm being brain. professional, Sam. No, no, George, I George, like George, say, who's say, like bringing George, it George, out. say it out loud, say it out loud, go on. He's gone now. Oh, bad luck, then, isn't it? Yeah, Ooh. I can't say it, because it'd be bad luck. Um, um, I'm currently just plastering up my finger. Um, I cut my finger yesterday. Um, it's the first time I've like, ever tried to make sweet potato fries, like, from scratch, rather than just buying something frozen. Okay. Um, sweet potato is a lot harder to cut than I realised yep. even with even with a good knife right. and yep. so and s- oh he's back good morning Mr Mag no afternoon good afternoon Mr Magpie there you go yes. you happy now Um, and so I cut my finger and it literally bled for like half an hour right Um, and it's now re- it's like started again three times today so it's going well racist <laughs> I'm sorry my blood is the wrong colour <laughs> oh, oh mate I'm getting what, so, uh, what colour is your blood <laughs> That's fine. If, if I say we all bleed the same, I'll still come across as racist. So um. <laughs> that's such, that's such like a menacing point of like solidarity, isn't it? It's like look, we're all the same. We bleed the same color. I just can't wait for my boss to listen to this and sack me. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, that's all I was going to say. Is like it wasn't that I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to have the conversation. It's that I didn't feel like I had anything to say. Yes. Like when we like. We've got. We're obviously we're all in group chats with each other and other people, mm-hmm. and this has been s- discussed in said group chats. And I've remained fairly quiet, not because I disagree. It's just that you're saying everything that I wanted to say. So, right. what do I add to that other than yeah, you know? I mean, the the only yeah yeah complete totally. I, I'm obviously we have a very limited reach. I just think I suppose in because we are of the generation that is seemingly deranged. There's right. more of an we have more of an obligation to even if we're saying nothing novel, just to go yeah, that I agree with that. Do you know what Yeah, I mean? kind of like uh amplify the transmission somehow. That's right. Yeah. 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 But anyway, um so I was thinking the other day. For, are we finally gonna get to that question? We're finally we are gonna get to that question. <laughs> and I was thinking, are there any films, television shows? So there are plenty of books. But so film and TV that have made the world a worse place, that have made society a worse place in whatever way, really. Mm. And obviously, this transcends, like you asked, George, by this, you don't mean 
uh, have made cinema worse, you know. But yes, because I- there are films that you, I've said that, like, there are, uh, for example, one could bring up Terminator 2 as the film that started sequel culture. Right. A sequel culture that we are now just yeah. mired in completely. And you brought up uh, Batman Begins as well, so yes, that the, kind of triggered the. The Nolanization, the dark. Uh, yeah, anger. exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, hit and miss. Yeah, so not, not necessarily uh, a film that instantiated a trend in the industry, more a, a, a film where, uh, you know, its philosophy or its message or something like that was appropriated by the culture and, and you know, it's fallacious or it's a myth, but people, because of this film, basically operate um, on its premise. Mm. Something like that. Now, I thought that was a really good question and one I hadn't, I hadn't seen posed elsewhere, but I have no answers for it. <laughs> Maybe that's why it hasn't yeah. been posed I mean, elsewhere. But yeah. I'm sure there must I mean, be, right? There must be. Like, there are Nazi propaganda films, but I don't feel like they count like it, they weren't bad without the films yeah you know i mean I the mean? answers yeah, i have yeah. don't follow quite like that sort of vein right but they, they they there are certain things about the the two films i've got in mind so the the the, the first one uh is cannibal holocaust <laughs> okay right okay because Go it on. is one of the only films i know where people have watched it and then the guy who made it ended up getting arrested for murder and had to prove that the actress was still alive. Okay, like, I see where you're coming see, from. See, that's the thing because I, I, I did, I tried doing some research on this issue, and I came across films like Cannibal Holocaust, where they, um, there were like negative implications for the people who were involved, or like you know, people respond, like you know, religious groups responded poorly to the Passion of the Christ, yeah. for example. Yeah, but they all seem like they all feel a bit too twee. Yeah, to kind of answer yeah. Sam, you want like that smoking gun where it's like, oh, you know, uh, racism didn't exist before Shifty Sand people in 1952 <laughs> or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. But there isn't really, there are always like small things like that where it's always like a specific demographic yeah. or a specific well, incident that kind of yeah. so that, hasn't really spread. So that was like the, the one film was like, that affected the people who made the film rather than anything else. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do think that is an interesting thing of they thought the film was that realistic that they arrested him for murder. Yeah. And then he had to yeah, prove yeah. how they'd done the scenes and then mm. prove that the actress was still alive, which is ridiculous yeah yeah you know i mean if it turned out to be true then like okay fair enough i would have been like ah, that's fair he murdered his past well (laughs) um but the main one like i had down um was the interview because and the reason i this was like the first one that came to mind north korea literally threatened america over it yes yeah so that was my example like my secondary example when thinking of this and it felt to me like that was i'm thinking i suppose more like ideas that seep into the culture rather than v- were a visceral like precipitated an immediate precipitation of something bad so you could say like The Crow obviously Brandon Lee got killed like making that mm. film but yeah the interview where it, it caused uh, you know a, uh, an international yeah like geopolitical tensions geopolitical tensions but like North Korea posture every now and again over something oh yeah yeah I get, it just happened to be this film. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm not sure what they did about uh, Team America. No. Um, <laughs> although I, I do know that when... they Because obviously they pulled the interview from being shown in cinemas. Yeah. Um, and there was supposed to be like a screening of Team America and they pulled that as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a bit silly. Because it's sort of like, why would you... The, re- the reasoning for removing the interview 
the exact same reasoning would be applied to Team America. So I don't know why you would replace the interview with Team America. Do you know what I mean? Go, oh, yeah, that, that also slags off North Korea. No, 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 Korea. yeah, it's just a passive-aggressive move on their I, part. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, you don't want that no, one. But we'll, we'll I, I, I do one like the there. idea, though, that when they initially planned the screenings of the interview, they went, you know what would be great to double bill this with? <laughs> Team reminds, America, World Police. It reminds me of when um, that, that story about Disney employees, like they would call... They would, when it was run by Michael Eisner and it was like a very, it was like a regime, like a totalitarian regime. Uh, they in put private emails to each other. They used to call the company Mauschwitz. Um, and then they, they, they got sent this, uh, you know, communication. They got sent to the Gulag. They got sent to the Gulag. They got sent a communication that said, please, you know, anyone who uses Mauschwitz from now on will be summarily dismissed. And instantly they started saying, do you get the memo from Dachau? So <laughs> it's like the human spirit cannot be tempered. You it know? can't be squashed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do quite like the idea. They went, "You do want the interview? Okay. What, what are you going to replace it with? Oh, uh, no, you'll see. It's, yeah. it's yeah, something. Yeah. It's innocuous. Nothing. No, that's funny. Um, actually, I didn't yeah. real. I didn't know that they did that. I, I kind of have a little bit more respect for them now that they did that. <laughs> okay. Um, what about you, George? Well, yeah. That's the, like like I said, Sam. It's sort of an interesting. Like this is the type of thing that you write an academic paper on yeah. isn't it it's the type of thing that you dedicate like years of your life to answering because it <laughs> yeah, doesn't right, seem like anyone's it. done it in my kind of uh research i found plenty of articles talking about how films have improved society mm. i found plenty of research i found plenty of articles and like uh pieces stating that films have negative effects on people namely they um encourage violence in youths right um, and obviously, the more recent example is that they, um, they, you know, social uh, issues like you know, mm. oh, it depicts racism or it or it right. treats people who are racist or misogynist somewhat favorably. Right. They never seem to give examples though, which I find curious. This, this, it's this nebulous like, oh, people just become violent after watching films. I'd also kind of want, like, do they? I'd want to know what Hollywood films or what any films are really distributed by a studio, independent or otherwise, would distribute a film that portrayed racists relatively favorably. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's this bullshit. Sorry, very, to very quickly circle back just to make a point. Um, um, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that video um, that came out with all the actors, the black and white video of them saying, I take oh, responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. At one point in that, I think Bryce Dallas Howard says something like, for all the times I ignored police brutality. Like, who in Hollywood has been, no, it's not ignored, like condoned it or, or wrote it off, like mm. um, rationalized it or something. Like, what actors have ration- been rationalizing police beatings? <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? So similarly, like I don't know. It's this idea like ho- Hollywood is somehow illiberal. It's the most liberal place that's ever existed, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know what films they're putting out that you know promote these. It's ideas. always the same, though, isn't it? Like it was, you know. Oh, films cause violence. Oh no, yeah. rock music causes violence. Oh no, yeah. video games cause violence. And there's never any proof to it. That used to be the right, though. That's the that's the weird thing. Yeah, well, even Trump didn't Trump like a year or so ago talk about like, oh, I'm going to try and quash violent video games. I'm going to try and discourage that from being done. That's weird, though. That's um, weird because yeah, it's definitely shifted. It used to be the religious right uh, complaining about Marilyn Manson and you know and blaming Doom for um, Columbine and stuff. <laughs> what was the, um, the, the- uh, the chat show or whatever it was that Marilyn Manson was on <laughs> yeah. um, and the old guy is like uh, some Yahoo with a cutlass comes at yeah, you yeah what if some Yahoo with a cutlass comes oh that's so brilliant I, I have to write that down that's like yeah it's like what are you on about mate <laughs> but it, it, again that just seems so kind of 
silly and like such a relic now of seeing yeah. all these like uh, wasps, these waspy, you know, Americans just going like, because mm. they're, they're basically Eddie, they're, just, they're talking about like moshing. I'm like, what's mashing? Like what? It just sounds like violence. And like, they just can't wrap their heads around I mean, if, if, if they uh, think moshing sounds like flipped. violence, I'd love to see what they think of a wall of death. Well, that's the thing they're talking about. Like, I think, I think the reason for this, you know, it was like an issues talk show. I think the the catalyst for it what, was they got they got Marilyn Manson killed. on an issues talk show. They did, yeah. And this is before he's a proper <laughs> Marilyn Manson, I think. That's what um, I say. That's a choice. And a bunch of you know a bunch of metalheads and stuff. And I think the the catalyst was a girl had been killed at, uh, at a gig. Yeah. And so that you know the big question today was what's the appeal here? But just see, it's funny just seeing all these um, middle class. Kind of Americans yeah, not like being able to fuddy like, duddy old women and men. Marsh, what's marsh? That's not a word, yeah. you know. But yeah, I don't know what the hell were you talking about that for. No, that was that was another tangent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, plenty of articles saying that you know, super size me improved the world, and uh, yeah, yeah. The day after tomorrow improved the world and stuff. But yeah, yeah very few explicitly saying. I keep thinking birth of a nation. I keep having that image of the. Hmm. KKK riding into Wagner. Well, yeah, yeah, that film supposedly like uh, like uh, KKK membership exploded after that. Film, yeah, right. So that would be an example, but I don't know how much influence it had. Really, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, I race, race, racial relations, race relations in America at that time were pretty fucking dire before Birth of a Nation came along. So yeah, I don't know if it did any harm, further harm. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I'm trying to think of. There's got to be one, right? There's got to be one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have one example. I don't think it's okay. the, like, you know, the the answer we've been waiting for. Because it is sort of a very niche um, okay. example. But the one I arrived at was The Exorcist. And okay. the reason I think that is because prior to the film coming out, exorcisms were basically dead. Right. Funnily enough. Like, there was, like, exorcisms just weren't happening. Yeah. Then the film came out and it sort of triggered this panic of, like, oh, maybe, you know, I need an exorcism. There's Moral a demon panic. living in me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that still goes on to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just people within like the Catholic Church who do exorcisms. There are people some people call them con artists, some people <laughs> have more charitable names for them, but there are people who exclusively conduct exorcisms. I quite I quite like the idea that in this podcast, in this episode, the veracity of exorcism is what we're remaining mum about. Like, oh, we're not going <laughs> to come down on either side of this issue. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got arguments for and against. Let's be fair to them. You know, we don't know for certain. Um, I, I'd be interested to know, because, you know, the whole UK Film Council thing, the video nasties era in the 70s mm. and 80s, of like mass censorship and all that. I wonder, I think yeah. the exorcist might have played a significant role in causing that. So, well, that yes. Was, I was going to yeah. ask, what is the story with the Clockwork Orange being banned in the UK? It's the book that's banned, right? Or so is it the film? The film, well? the film was banned until Kubrick died. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know why. Right. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think. It's about these, like these violent youths who just like rape and beat people up. So there's that just the gratuitous uh, nature to it, and that. But then the. Oh, so that film is about the, the ringleader being subjected to the Ludovico technique, where he is brainwashed into no longer having violent impulses, mm. but it all goes completely tits up. I, I don't. I mean, that would have been just a a reflection of the time. Like that was probably the, the religious right saying this film advocates violence. You know. Yeah. Is it also just was, because was, like uh, the specificity of the setting? Because it's set in Britain mm. as well isn't it yeah 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 and there's a lot of British actors like for example when Spec Ops The Line came out in 2012 mm. that's a video game that depicts 
Dubai after it's been hit by a cataclysmic sandstorm. Mm. And that game is banned in Dubai. It doesn't have anything negative to say about Dubai. It's just yeah. the fact that it's set in a Dubai well, you know, that's what I find post-apocalypse. Really interesting is because, you know, people are quite um, on their guard around elderly people. Like, you don't swear, you don't, you're not coarse, that sort mm. of thing. And then you often hear the argument, the, these people live through wars and, and you know, they they can take a bit of blue language or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I've always agreed with that. But it's funny that, that, that those generations that did through go through World War II and stuff seem the most obsessed with the censorship to a degree of like, this is going to ruin people. This is going to meld their minds. And mm. I find that really odd. You know what I mean? It's well, like, is it because of like how much they've experienced and they've seen so much like evil and they've seen so many like you know so much bad behavior and they're like oh i want to try and do everything i can to yeah. discourage that carrying on maybe yeah i think i think like those sorts of things like deliverance and basically the sam- the 60s and 70s yeah they just hadn't seen that sort of stuff in films before it just didn't exist you know yeah exactly and i think a lot of them were sort of um pioneering techniques that they hadn't seen before either yeah so it was be it wasn't just that they didn't that the the concept was new to them the execution was new to them yeah it's like oh that woman is actually like her head is actually rotating 360 degrees and she's actually like vomiting and contorting mm. and you know all that kind well, of stuff yeah it yeah, not yeah. not a film but um beans on toast the musician he did a song which was called mdmm mdm amazing right which is about nice. him taking mdma at a festival uh yeah and okay it is a very good song um, but he basically he's got a story sing us a bit um, I can't sing you a bit there. no sing us a bit no. come on you can look it up he Sports he sport. has a book called Drunk Folk Stories in which he explains because he basically wrote that song and then a few albums later wrote a song called The Children of Bedford and that is because right. he basically met someone who came came up to him and went oh because of you I started taking MD right and that was kind of okay. he was like that's not what I wanted I didn't want a song that made people take drugs mm. and the whole the point of the, the story he writes about is that he found out years later that even though they had taken MD because of that song they still like it wasn't like the drugs ruined their lives they went on to do like quite successful things and stuff like that Yeah, mm. but I, I think it was more a thing of it's like oh because he, he talked about it they went oh we'll try this and see what taking drugs is like you know but it didn't ruin their lives and so for him like he wrote a whole song about it because he didn't want people to think he didn't want people to like hear MDM amazing and go oh yeah taking drugs is cool yeah well I think there's got to be examples of that where like um, people you know have a go train spotting uh, for apparently glorifying heroin use I think anyone who said that hasn't watched train spotting (laughs) have you seen the fucking baby scene I know but there must be examples like that where it's depicted either neutrally or like I don't know, like fear and loathing even though that is that's quite harrowing in terms of like the experience of, of what they go through yeah but there's got to be some sort of like oh acid looks what, what off, was like, to say i mean fun, take the take the beatles right yeah i mean if you ask like like my dad he's obviously a big beatles fan if you ask him and the like yeah. people like that they will tell you that lucy in the sky with diamonds isn't really about lsd but right the fact of the matter is is whether that song is about lsd or not is a different is it the mm. whole different thing of they have a song called I Am The Walrus and you can 100% tell that that is written on something. Well, it's like, it's undisp- like they have openly said we were just like taking mushrooms and dropping acid when we recorded this album. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, and you can hear it as Yeah, well. exactly. But if you ask people now about the Beatles, 
they probably wouldn't necessarily be like, oh yeah, they were massive. You know, this was the biggest band in the 60s. Yeah. And they were on shit all the fucking time. And people just ignore that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think like the go-to, like, if you know basically nothing about the Beatles, the go-to image is of those clean-cut boys in the suits, right? With the guitars yeah. on like mm, the black yeah, and white. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you don't think of uh, the long hair and the dropping acid and yellow stuff. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's interesting. But there must be something like that that has inspired... But yeah, I, I generally agree with what has thus far been the liberal defence uh, of films don't make people violent. And they, you know, yeah. they don't actually... I do agree with that. I might um, put the question to Reddit. Because yeah. I'm on Reddit now. I don't know if I mentioned Oh, you're that. on Reddit. You, oh, you're yeah, in the, the, I, I, the I, It's something I've sort of been like on and off about for years. But like I, I joined it as means of like trying to promote the podcast through like subreddits i didn't know that reddit had a karma system this is not news to the internet right but reddit basically has this thing called karma which is tied to like what what you post and like how many upvotes you get and like the more karma there are certain communities where you straight up can't post anything if you don't have enough karma yeah such as these podcast subreddits that i was trying to uh, get myself into yeah thankfully there was no limit of karma on the sonic subreddit so i've been farming karma. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i've just been posting shit about the sonic movie and just been getting loads of upvotes so i've i've been t- not reddit <laughs> this shows how analog i am i've been going to yahoo answers i've been on there so i've been <laughs> okay uh just asking i asked a couple of questions because i thought is there a word for that there's not a word for that so basically sam's lexicon of prelude and getting but like back you know lexicographers and linguists going no no the, yeah there's not there's not a word for that the closest is this but also I've been answering some questions obviously <laughs> so it's so funny what the questions that I've been answering one of them was um, why do white supremacists hate Black Lives Matter right okay M- my answer to that was it's self evident why white supremacists would hate Black Lives Matter <laughs> I said if you're asking why some people take issue with Black Lives Matter, the, the the sentence Black Lives Matter, it's because they they resent the implication they never thought so in the first place. So mm. I said it's mostly not because they're white uh, supremacists, but obviously white supremacists are going to hate Black Lives Matter. They removed that answer. <laughs> that was right. removed for like com- you know contravening some law or some bullshit. Right. Anyway. I keep I keep returning to this uh, subject area. Yeah, let's not. Let's, let's not do let's, that. Let's, let's draw yeah. a line under it. We've set <laughs> I, I, can I just say, We've I love the fact that I told you like a few episodes back that I had watched some TikToks, which I stopped doing. Yeah. But then Jordan's on Reddit, you're on Yahoo. But if I was like, oh, I'm on TikTok, <laughs> you'd be like, well, what the fuck is wrong with your life? Yeah, but yeah, but fair, I was like, I'm on Reddit for like business reasons. Quote you're unquote. posting that's, that's Sonic memes. For. <laughs> I have to build up my karma so I can promote the you podcast. You can't sit there and be like, I'm doing it for business and you're posting Sonic memes. You can't. Well, to be fair, Yahoo Answers is basically like a library. It's like And you were too controversial for Yahoo Answers. <laughs> they banned your bloody answer. I know that, but I, I think... I think I think a, a cough that was above two decibels would being too controversial for Yahoo Answers. But no, TikTok is, is you know, the, scum. the place of the scum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. Cheers, guys. So we will return to this subject if we come up with some yeah. better answers. Yeah, if by chance yeah. anyone is listening and they think they have a good answer. Well, if yeah, anyone is yeah. listening. But if, if you think <laughs> they're you not have at this point, answer. they heard our conversation on Black Lives Matter and went. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, shall we get to it then? Okay. Yes, right. So 
before anybody clicks off the podcast, <laughs> before anybody stops listening, we're an hour and fifty-five in, George. There is no we've one got listening. Thirty disclaimers before we get to Doctor <laughs> Who. It's going to be longer than the actual Doctor <laughs> Who conversation. Well, that's the thing. Like we, for the past, we've fallen into the trap of just like every season of Doctor Who. We're going through it episode by episode, and we're just reading off like a list of like yeah. notes, and it's it's very. Uh, very, very long, very meticulous discussions that ultimately don't really go anywhere because all we're saying is, I, th- I noticed this. I think. Yeah, this. and unless yeah. you're watching it with us, you're basically not gonna know what the fuck we're talking about most of the time. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, and also it's sort of like we're now reaching the point with Doctor Who where even like we were planning to change the strategy anyway because even we were kind of getting sick of it. Yeah, but we're reaching the point in Doctor Who where like it's really not good. No. Um, and like Sam who is not a fan you probably don't want to give these episodes their moment in the spotlight no you know like you don't want to like oh I want to go through this episode by episode because there are some episodes which are just bad yeah like that's all that really needs to be said about them me and Eddie as fans we're reaching the point where we're getting kind of exhausted from the whole thing as well yeah Yeah. (laughs) ex-fan yeah (laughs) so yeah I don't think I don't think we're doing the episode by episode thing this episode no we're going to talk more broadly about what all of the episodes are presented yeah we um, might dive into like we might talk specifics here and there but yeah. we're going to try and make this like a podcast yes. where it's just this freeform discussion about Doctor Who rather than okay this episode okay this episode yeah unfortunately you know? I've got to instantly contradict that <laughs> by asking this is where you're going to have to indulge me lads <laughs> just so I can get it all, all on the right, re- okay. just so I can get it all on the record because I've had to write this out like I'm making a fucking public statement <laughs> my foreplay to our Doctor Who uh, dive. Right, okay. So firstly, I want to just explain, maybe it's not yours, but my personal approach to reviews. Uh, In general, not just for Doctor Who. Okay. We're not an establishment podcast, right? We we don't we're not we don't work for the BBC. We're not well paid, but you know <laughs> we are not establishment. We are just three. Well, yeah, we're not even established. We're no one. We're no, we're no one. We have no audience. Yeah. So yeah. I don't feel compelled to occupy my best self. In other words, I don't approach reviewing things like I would approach writing an essay for university. Right. Okay. They, I don't. I'm not like 100% objective. We're not an objective channel. I don't think. Okay. We are our opinions, and you know, if you find those interesting, you come back to us. I guess. Yeah. So that's my first disclaimer. Now, okay. On a week-to-week basis, I watch and reject countless films and television shows that we don't discuss on the podcast, and you do too, as well. Yeah. Most of which are more worthy of discussion than Doctor Who at this point. So Doctor Who is now falling firmly into the category of that which normally wouldn't be worthy of conversation. Yes. But we've committed to it and the completest in me rejects stopping now. Okay. Uh, if you're, but it does feel a bit like a sick joke <laughs> that we have to keep talking about it. <laughs> Doctor Who has become a prison a little bit for me. Um, <laughs> most, I would say most of my opinions or answers to questions can be condensed to, eh. so bear that in mind. Uh, I'm sorry if it comes across as, uh, as being a bad sport, but I don't care <laughs> about a lot of it. Um, but let me clarify my, my overall position on Doctor Who at this point in time, just so that any uh, dismissiveness you might detect uh, is oh, understood. The rain. Oh, God. Talk about pathetic fallacy. This rain is <laughs> That's the rain, is it? 
Okay, here's the public statement. Its early years were fun and clever. That is no longer the case. Just like I don't want Ben and Jerry's or Sarah Paulson or Lad Bible lacks from me about racial equality, I want Doctor Who to know its place. Now, this isn't saying that things must be confined to the box in which they started. It's okay to try. But in my opinion, the show is ignorant of its limitations. It's too wrapped up in its own convolute mythology. Uh, we always distinguish on this podcast the difference between smart and smart arse. Uh, but who is neither anymore? It's an essay stuffed with hedges that pad out the word count, uh, contrived with technical language that on its face sounds intelligent and articulate, but some of those words carry meaning, some just have a higher than average syllable count. Some people can express that kind of prose gracefully, but most do it clunkily. I would say Doctor Who is the latter. The plottiness aside, its tone is also misjudged. This is just a personal thing. I don't want the Doctor to be silly. I suppose I want him to be Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. But he's not Walter White and he's not John Rambo. And I scoff when I see him trying to suggest otherwise because it feels like posturing. And as far as I can tell, according to you two lads, the further we go along, Doctor Who will demonstrate its proclivity for posturing in many different ways. To say that I like Doctor Who when it's simple is to say I like it when it can execute complex ideas seamlessly. It needs to exist in the hinterland that is universal entertainment, if it's for families, that is. I would say Prisoner of Azkaban is a, great, uh, is a great example of this. We don't want Doctor Who to be Primer. We don't want it to be Mr. Ben. It would take a lot more thinking to precisely qualify and quantify exactly what I think it should be. But I know when I see it either way. That is my press release. Okay. But very quickly, in writing that press release, it occurred to me that there's... So any word that like has to confer like or for a child has a negative connotation because those words are often used disparagingly towards adults, right? Yes. It's like infantile, juvenile, puerile. So, cue Sam's lexicorner. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicorner. I want to invent a term for anything in the fields of arts and entertainment that's directed at children. So it could be films, books, songs. I would say the closest existing, at least in how it sounds, is juvenilia. Uh, but juvenilia refers to works created by uh, someone when they are young. So like scripts we would have written in school and stuff like that. I see. Okay. Um, so I had to go looking into my Greek and Latin for this. <laughs> I came up with libriture. So in Latin, children is liberi. But that sounds too close to literature. Would you agree? Libriture? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going... Also liberal literature. Yes. You could say yeah. it sounds a bit like that. So yeah. I'm going with the Greek. Pediature. Ooh. Yeah, I know, I know. Peds, you can't put that. Are <laughs> you, you sure is, you want to you know, commit there, that to eternity, Sam? <laughs> there are pediatricians, you know. <laughs> unfortunately, there are also pedophiles. <laughs> but yes, I'm settling on pediature. 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 Samuel. Pediature. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicon. All right, let's talk about Doctor Who Series 7 then. <laughs> okay, all right then. <laughs> So, uh, well, this is the second half. Yeah, we talked about ser- the first six episodes of the previous seven, podcast. Part two and the specials. Yes. Yeah. So, how many episodes is that overall? Oh, uh, God. I don't care. <laughs> like 11, I think. Oh, you're also there, are you? Okay. No, no, no. I mean, I don't care about doing the maths. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like 11 episodes. Okay. Okay. Well, my first point they're really doubling down on the Doctor Who thing, aren't they? Doctor Who? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, it's like it would be, it's the equivalent of like whenever Gus kill someone it's like oh man you're breaking bad it's like just 
to stop. <laughs> <laughs> to stop. To stop. I like ha- once or twice. I have written a note that says the doctor's name really isn't that important. It didn't need. It didn't need to be that important, and they've made it a plot point. Well, the word "doctor" starts to lose its meaning because of its sheer repetition. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that kind of annoys me on sort of the similar level, Eddie, mm. is this idea that the doctor. This is this is part of it being so wrapped up in itself. But the idea that the doctor is the most important thing in the universe. That his yeah. name is a secret of great importance. Uh, but like with Eddie, like if the name is revealed, mm. I don't think it, it possibly could be. I could be wrong. If it is revealed, it's either going to be arbitrary or cheap twist. It's going to be Dave. Oh, so so it still, it still <laughs> yeah. hasn't been revealed to this day, is it? No. Okay. No, no. Well, no. they can't, can they? They can't. How can they reveal what his name is? Yeah, what the hell is the Doctor's name? It's such a build-up that nothing will suffice, right? Yeah. But is it sort of like you, you mentioned, I don't know exactly which discussion it was in. I want to say it's Series 6. Yeah, it was Series 6. Okay. You were saying, you were talking about like the fact that Doctor Who isn't going anywhere. Mm. that it has no uh, point to it. Yeah. And as, as frustrating and sort of numbing as it is, this whole like, oh, what's the Doctor's name? What, you know, the fact that he's so important and everything like that. Yeah. Can that at least be seen as the show trying to give itself purpose? Oh, yeah. Can we at least say that that's a positive thing, that it's a positive thing for the show? Like, um, the okay. mystery of the of the character is kind of all we have to work off. Let's use that, you know? I, I mean, I will give a thumbs up to trying to give itself a direction. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you can't, you know, I can't disparage that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, again, it's, it, it continues that trend of trying to depict him as a badass, which I just, I think is wrong. Okay. Like, you know, I am the oncoming storm. Love from Gallifrey, boys. Mate, you, you are not Sylvester Stallone. Okay. You're Matt Smith. You look like Matt Smith. Is that is that not part of the charm, though? No. <laughs> that, like, he's clearly not a badass, but because he's a goofy-looking chap anyway, you're like, yeah, there's, there's, you know. But it's not, though, is it? Because the sh- it's not like the show knows he's not a badass, and therefore there's, like, an irony in depicting him that way. The show thinks he's mm. a badass, doesn't it? It depicts well, him as being a badass. Well, you were saying earlier in the podcast about uh, that scene from Younger. Yeah. Uh, where it looks like she's about to receive anal sex and then yeah. you find out that she's getting the tattoo. Yes. And you said that even though, like, that feels like a joke, but the scene is played completely straight. Yeah. Like, could it be said that the reason they play that scene straight is because the joke is obvious and the fact that it's being played completely straight is part of the joke? But so in that, that particular example, when he's, like, shooting off regeneration energy or something, at, like, the Dalek ships or something. Yeah. yeah. That's not, that's yeah. not like a, that's meant to be an awesome moment, isn't it? Love from Gallifrey, boys. Yeah. You know, that's meant to be like a, oh, yeah. But it's not, because it's Matt Smith. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I well, yeah, exactly. I yeah, but it's say, not playing it that way, is it? But they try it early in the, in the second half of the season as well, by having him go up, up the side of a building on a motorbike. <laughs> I like that though. No. This is the problem though, isn't it? This is the problem. <laughs> like that's that shouldn't be enough now. Like the, the kind of the things that sound good on paper. Mm. You know, like a double decker bus in the desert. Like that shouldn't be sufficient, right? Yeah, that shouldn't carry the yeah. show. I know what you're saying. I I yeah. Okay. I the thing with the doctor as well, right? Is like there's not a bias here, but we have different histories with it. Like I am not a fan. Now, I I mm. I I think there's a difference between even liking something and being a fan. Because I don't mean fanboy when I say fan. Yeah. I think a fanboy will defend the property to the nth degree, right? Like, whatever happens. Yeah, but like a fan will just look upon it favourably. Well, a fan, a fan feels like a word that has some com- a degree of commitment to it. 
to call yourself a fan of something. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. I occasionally like it, but I'm not a fan. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, All right. So when it's basking in the doctorness of. Okay. <laughs> that's gonna, that's pick, gonna up. pick up. I think that happened yep. right outside my window. Um, oh, okay. That's interesting. Because your lightning, I I know there's like a delay on Skype. Yeah, yeah. But I heard your lightning before I heard my lightning. Oh right. Okay. I didn't see. I so, didn't hear your lightning, George. I heard Sam's. Yeah. Okay. That was so fucking loud. There, there's there's just none in Cardiff. I can still see. <laughs> it must be right over you, Sam. Yeah, I can still see the sky. The flash came like right yeah. through the window. So yeah, I saw the flash, but I didn't hear anything after oh, oh, until was, your lightning went off. It was it was loud. Um. But yes. So when it's basking us in the darkness of Doctor Who, it's like if you've got a quirky mate. Like when they're doing their thing, the guy's being quirky. He's doing his thing. Whereas yeah. if you're not, it's yeah. grating to someone. Do you know what I mean? I think that's like my relationship with it. Okay. Like if I love the doctor, like, oh, when all's said and done, we've still got the doctor. That's like not enough for me. That's hollow consolation. Okay. Because I, he's not my mate. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, he, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like you two are fans. Are you saying that, um, are you talking about it in terms of the character? Or are you talking, talking, uh, or are you talking about it in terms of Matt Smith? Oh, because if you're ragging on Matt yeah. Smith, I'm going to have to fight you. Well, I will rag on Matt Smith shortly, but no, in this particular instance, I'm talking about the, the character of the Doctor, okay. the way he is, the the quirkiness. The you two are fans. Like I said, if you've got nothing else, you've got the Doctor, or indeed three of them for an episode. Mm. I guess, I guess with Jodie Whittaker, you feel like you've lost that too now. But, well, yes, exactly. Yeah. But the if all else fails, you have the doctor being the doctor contingency. That's like hollow consolation for me. Okay. Now, Matt Smith. <laughs> I think for me, he's lasted too long at this point. Yeah, we're going to have to fight. Okay. Because his voice and his face are bothering me. Okay. And I quite like Matt, Matt Smith. You know, I, I actually do like him. He, I liked him as the doctor, you mm. know. Even though the show's aesthetic has matured. It doesn't feel as goofy as it did before. There we go again. Yeah, yeah, there is. The running around the TARDIS like a pillock, flipping switches and hugging and high-fiving, it bugs me more than it ever did, it went, even when it was sillier. Okay. But I, I I, submit that might be sheer fatigue. Hmm. Yeah, Matt Smith, I like him, but I think just in this series, I did feel like, yeah, it's time you can go now. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, what's your thoughts on him for series seven? Well, I mean, I do, I do like him a lot. I mean, his his final episode, I'm not a fan of, but right. the regeneration scene at the very end, I am a big fan of. I think that's a great scene, really, for that character. Not like, not you know, I'm not saying like, oh, it belongs in the pantheon of, yeah. of cinema and television. Um, but as as a goodbye to both Matt Smith and the Eleventh Doctor, mm-hmm. um, I really, really like that scene. We've said before that, like, you know. Well, we've argued before about the show's relationship to its character and the fact that regenerations, within the context of the show, a regeneration should not be treated like a death because the Doctor isn't dying. Yeah. It's the, the, it's the fact that the character is leaving the show. So it's, so this, it's this weird, like, the show is sort of uh, going outside of itself. Yeah. Because it's saying goodbye to the actor. Yes. But as a goodbye to the actor, where Matt Smith is saying, like, you know, um, I'll never forget this. I'll always remember when the Doctor was me. I just, I really like that. I just think that's a really well-judged moment. And also the symbolism of him, like, removing the bow tie. Because the bow tie is, like, iconography that's yeah. symbolism... Well, not symbolism. It's a symbol that has existed all the way through Matt Smith's run. And the fact that we say goodbye to yeah. that as well, I guess. Right. I think that's a nice... 
uh, sort of yeah, classic the, the, words, especially since Matt Smith says nothing after he takes the bow tie off. I don't really have anything bad to say about that particular scene. I think that's it's done. Yeah, I got, I've got no problem with his exit. His exit is. I, I did quite like that instead of the um, uh, emotional porn of really dragging it out. I think it's like a head snap, isn't it? And it's Peter Capaldi all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that. I'm like, oh yeah, it's, moving it's, on. It's him now. Yeah, yeah. That I like that. So, well, if you don't like him long and drawn out, who you're not going to like Capaldi's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's like a 20 minute speech or something stupid like that. He prolonged, he, I'm being hyperbolic, he, but he talks a while. He prolongs it for a bloody episode. Oh yeah, the fi- yeah, <laughs> Capaldi's final episode is literally him not wanting to regenerate. That's the whole episode. Yeah, so sort of talents as well, right? I mean, oh, oh yeah, but Capaldi's is worse. Yeah. Okay. One th- another niggle. Wow, it was really picking up. Uh, another niggle is they keep- <laughs> you're gonna die, motherfucker. <laughs> they keep retconning and they keep treating it like it's awesome as well. That's that's the annoying thing. Like ah, oh, it was this way all along. So I'm talking about like Clara with William Hartnell now. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's take the opportunity to move on to Clara because in this portion of the season she becomes yeah a full time companion. You like her a lot, don't you? I like Clara. Yeah, Do you like Clara the- for reasons beyond her aesthetic beauty? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's fair because yeah. No, 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 no. I do. No, I do. Genuinely, I think that she's. Um, I think she can really. I think she can deliver lines well, Jenna Coleman. Okay, and I think the the speeds. It's not just like the way she delivers them, but the speed she delivers them as well. She's very competent at delivering dialogue. Okay, so you like you um, like what comes out of her mouth as well as what you want to. Put as in well, it. yeah, as well as what I want to go into her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, you know, I don't mind it. I like I. In case, like, this podcast does become popular one day and people start rooting around on the internet, they might well find that, uh, this was like ages ago, I think this was during Series 7, um, I wrote an article for What Culture about Clara and how she's, like, the best companion. Yeah. And I think I was I was taken in by the how mystery that they set up. How do I not know up. that? Sorry, I'm in school. Well, I deliberately that. haven't told you. You did that when <laughs> we were in school, think. that was years and years ago. I did, I yeah, did yeah, not so it might have been Series 7. I wrote two articles. I have no idea what the second one was. Uh, but the first one was Clara. Clara's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, it, uh, the thing with Clara is it is nice to have a new companion, which makes it feel a bit fresher. I'm not saying... Yes. That, like, yeah. I don't particularly think the episodes in this series are good, but it is it, like a new companion does always feel fresh because like um, Amy and Roy were getting quite tiresome by the end of it. You... I was yeah, quite, I was quite happy for them. To I'm, gl- go. I'm glad it's down to one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the things I, I'm, I think she's fine. I think she, yeah, and she is a good actress generally. Yeah, yeah. But she's just kind of bland. I think like she doesn't. I don't know what her thing is. What's her thing? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the pro- that's the thing that I don't address in the article, mm. and something that I was directly called out for in the comments of that article right. as well. I think because I was taken in by the mystery of Clara, and mm. I thought, oh, it's nice that. Um, um, like the companion it's not just like oh they're a person that travels with the doctor like there's something beyond that that we're kind of uncovering with the doctor we're sort of in the doctor's shoes in a way yeah but the the payoff is that Clara has no personality basically yeah and she's just not different enough from her antecedents do you know what I mean she's not yeah I, I can't I couldn't even give you a word to describe it other than hot <laughs> do you know I mean like yeah. I, I don't know what she is like well it's weird it's like cute hot is because like amy was like you know she was in the mini skirts and she was like sexed up a little bit whereas clara is always dressed like she's like always completely covered she dresses she has yeah. like cute dresses and stuff so it's a, in that sense yeah 
she's different. Well, don't, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, she's, she's no Karen Gillan. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, she is obviously attractive. Yes. Yeah, that. I mean, that's all I really got to say about Clara. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of. Um, I don't know if her having a full season would have benefited her. No, no. Because, like, she has less time. They have less time to work with it because they dedicated five episodes to a- getting rid of Amy and Rory. Yeah, I think I think it was probably better that we had less time with the whole, you know, oh, how's, how does Clara keep dying and showing up mystery? Yeah. Especially since the answer was as shit as it was. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, she, but, she like, She jumped it into has... his timeline. Yeah, and they're like, oh, don't do that, you'll die. And then she does it, and she doesn't die. Because the Doctor And then the into- Doctor goes into his own timeline, and they're like, oh, it'll rip the universe apart, and then it doesn't. Yeah, I think they... It's that level of convolution, isn't it? It's like, as the show goes on, they're trying to keep it not just good, but they're trying to inflate it so that, I guess, it gets more significant as it goes on as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um... But the interesting thing about that, though, is that, like, we get the resolution to the Clara mystery, mm. and then the following episode is the 50th anniversary special. Yeah. Surely that is the episode to reveal that Clara has been a companion to the Doctor basically his entire, entire life. life, right? Yeah, I mean, that, and also, I think one of the problems is that in trying to increase, not the stakes, but the... Yeah, that, the level of importance that all this means something and the timey-wimey stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. If the show had an end game, it's like Lost. It's exactly like Lost, which is in their third season when they didn't know how fast to run. It's like, yeah, it's, well, Doctor Who's going to continue forever. Yeah. So I think you're on a high end to, to nothing if you keep trying to inflate the risk and inflate the significance yeah. of the plot. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say one thing, and... It's, I suppose, technically a spoiler, but it, it's not a, spoil, it's a spoiler at the same time. What disappoints me is that she jumps into his timeline and spreads herself across, right? <laughs> Filthy bitch. Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, Keep talking, Eddie. Keep talking. <laughs> that, that just sounds like you're trying to crack one out while we're talking about her spreading across. <laughs> um, right. But, she, she, you know, that goes all across his timeline. I would feel like that would include her future. His future, sorry. Yeah. But there is not a single story in the Capaldi era where we meet another version of her. Well, I mean, you know, is this is this the time to bring up that they very hastily address the regeneration rule that they seem to have forgotten about up until this point? Yeah. Because that feels... Yeah. Like, when... During Matt Smith's final episode... He says, like, oh, I'm dying, Clara. Because he's, like, he's he ends up staying on this planet for, like, hundreds of years. And he starts... He's there for so long that the Doctor starts naturally aging, which is, you know, you never see the Doctor age. Um, so he's like, oh, I'm dying of old age, Clara. And Clara's just like, well, regenerate then, you, you silly bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, and then, like, perhaps, you know, appositely, he looks like Prince Philip. Now. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, and Matt Smith is like, oh, I can't regenerate because I've used up all my, all my regenerations. Yeah. Um, and this is what I was referring to when I said, keep in mind that Matt Smith uses regeneration energy multiple times in series six and a little bit in series seven yeah. as well. Because I think the introduction of John Hurt... The, the introduction of John Hurt ruins the fact that Matt Smith regenerated at any point. Yes, because it, this is something that's like everyone has mentioned. The fact that they couldn't get Christopher Eccleston for the anniversary, so for some reason that correlated to, oh, let's just invent a Doctor out of thin air. Mm. And that Doctor is John Hurt. But because John Hurt exists, 
And because for some reason they count David Tennant's regeneration in the Stolen Earth as a regeneration, they've now have ex- they've now used all of the Doctor's regenerations, which basically meant that oh shit, we now have to like bullshit our way out of this now. Despite the fact that we've seen Matt Smith regenerate multiple times. The thing times. is, it, it's, it, it walks a tightrope between being, in a sense, an incredibly fragile property. Because, yeah, if you can't get an old doctor back, an old actor, you're sort of fucked. Because what else can you do? It's not like... Again, I'm going to keep referencing Lost throughout this because I have to be watching it at the minute. Mm. Um, the, the actor who played Mr. Echo wanted to leave because he didn't like living in Hawaii anymore, right? Yeah. And they had a plan for him to be this incredibly central figure in the story. And so they had to modify it and basically give his role to Desmond, right? You yes. can't really do that in Doctor Who, you know, because it's it's all the Doctor. But at yeah. the same time, because of the timey wimey of it, you can make up whatever the fuck you want at any given time. Mm. And so it makes it hard to trust. Actually, very, I, I very want to quickly... In four series time, it doesn't matter because they retcon the entire show. So. Well, here's the thing. Let's take Ross as an example. <laughs> Let's from... leave the hatred for when we get there, Eddie. <laughs> Uh, let's take Lost as an example for the final time, right? In terms of the retconning and all that sort of stuff. Even something as notorious as Lost for its vagaries, when a character was gone, they were gone, right? Even yeah. when they were time-traveling, history couldn't be changed. Those were the rules. And it's the same as, like, Jack, initially, the idea of him getting killed in the pilot, and the producer said, don't do that, it'll teach your audience not to care. Mm. Doctor Who keeps insisting that I invest in nothing... Not even its own integrity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It mm. keeps saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, and so I can't make any kind of... I can't give anything to it because they can change literally everything about the universe in just like a click, you know? Yeah, exactly. That said, I think going forward with the remaining five seasons we've got... So Yeah, yeah. Am I correct in, in, understand, in my understanding that... It's pretty straightforward, and it's like it's like twelve episodes and a special, ten episodes and a special, that sort of. Thing. Yeah, I think series eight has no Christmas special, okay. which is nice. Yeah, I think series nine, it's either series nine or series ten has two Christmas specials. It's bookended. Yeah. Okay, but it's not all over the place, and it's um, there's three specials, oh, and then this companion. And- oh no, this is the worst season. Okay, for yeah, this. So this is that's nice yeah. at least. I feel like I can be a bit more happy, even even if it remains shit. I can be a bit happier. Uh, yeah, you don't have forward. to suddenly keep track of all this extraneous yeah, shit yeah. as well. Um, well, before we get on to the anniversary special, because that feels like something you should at least give a little bit of time to, because it's the 50th anniversary which, which special. Which one's that? It's the, the, one with the, the, three the Day of, of the Doctor with the multiple Doctors. Right, okay. Because it's the first time the show has had a special of that calibre, you know. Like in Classic Who, you had multiple Doctor stories all over the place. Yeah, well, they, yeah in Classic Who, they used to do them for... So the first like three doctors got together, then they did the five doctors. Um, but yeah, this is the this first is the first time it's happened in mod- New yeah, Who. Yeah, this first one in New Who. Okay, okay. I quick I quickly want to skim through the series. I know we're not we're not going to do proper episode by episodes, but I just want to sort of like get your general impression of it episode by episode. So we'll start with the snowmen. Bad. Yeah, bad. I mean, I I'll tell you before we do that, do the skim. I didn't like any episode. Oh right, okay. <laughs> no skim needed then. Yeah, no I think. Skin, yeah. I don't think I like. There were there were like individual moments, I guess, across it that I that I liked, but I couldn't okay. I couldn't honestly say that there were any episodes that I broadly liked. Interesting. Uh, see, okay. I would. I, my thing was Cold War and Day of the Doctor. Um, obviously, I'm including the specials were the ones I I liked, but I, it's because I like the Ice Warriors as a creature, and they were obviously old Who, and this was the yep. first time they came back. Yes. But the only other notes that I have written down for my thing are the great intelligence didn't seem good enough. 
I didn't think that was. I didn't. Yeah, what a shit they, villain. It was a terrible villain. Yeah. Um, and the, I thought that they could have done more with the Trenzalore is supposed to be where the Doctor dies, and I was quite bored of the place. This is um, this is feeds into my earlier point though about um, it's the most dangerous place in the universe. Like why? Why must you be the most important, I'm, I'm, most dangerous yeah, thing? I, I yeah. mean, personally, I'd say Scarrow's scarier, and you haven't even seen it yet. But also, <laughs> the other note that I have down is the human... Da- so, in the, obviously, in the end of it, you have the Daleks with, like, the people are dead, and then they've got the human things like that. And that's basically treated like it's absolutely nothing that they've made basically made human Daleks. And I just went, Dalek sec hybrid must be angry, because there was a lot of effort that went into creating a human Dalek with the tentacles and everything. Yeah. Um, and in this, it's just like, oh, look, we can have a thing come out of someone's head. Well, we talked about that in Asylum with the Daleks, didn't we? That it, it's not Dalek enough for a Dalek. It's 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 so weird that they decided to do that. that yeah. Like, Dalek drones, Dalek-human drones are just a thing the Daleks have. And we talked oh, yeah. about this idea that if it was, like, fused with Dalek DNA or whatever, it wouldn't even do that because that's the armour. No, it would look like the yeah. creature. It wouldn't look like yeah. a shell, yeah. Also, um, I forgot that River Song came back in the series finale. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, right. um, but also, given that she is important in the entirety of New Who once she's introduced, why the fuck is she not in the anniversary special? Yeah, that's weird. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff like that, though, isn't there? Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the name of the Doctor that feels like this should have been in the anniversary special. Mm. Like, the fact that they bring back River Song, and not just River Song, but, like, post-death River Song, when she's, like, in the library database. Yeah. Um, Jenny Vastron Strax, who, who was sort of, like... Who appear a bunch throughout the season? They're not even mentioned in the fiftieth anniversary special. No. The re- the sort of revelation of Clara's identity that's like all resolved. She has kind of no function in the fiftieth anniversary special. She's just the current companion. Yeah. Um. I don't know whether it was just like whether they had written the anniversary special script. And so they realized there was no place for the stuff that they were building up to in the seasons. So they had to quickly resolve Probably. it, or whether they finished the season and then realised oh shit we have to write a 50th anniversary special I genuinely don't know what I imagine that script there. would have been written far in advance I would have thought you so think? Yeah. because if you go off the point of the fact that they couldn't get Christopher Eccleston they would have had to have added in the idea of the war doctor earlier than that's true I mean yes but also like why don't you just use Paul McGann like we, we, we've talked about that. like there's a, a like a six minute prelude to the 50th anniversary special that stars Paul McGann and it basically tells the story of how Paul McGann became John Hurt right and it's like Paul McGann's like he's pretty good in that he's still doing stuff isn't you he know? on the radio he's still doing Doctor he's Who do, he's doing the uh, big finish stuff yeah he's, ju- he's just yeah, done yeah. a new I think he's just done a new like bunch of specials and he's probably the only doctor who has who hasn't aged to the point where he can no longer convincingly play the part he still looks like kind of how he did in the yeah. movie yeah, he yeah. looks better than he did in the movie he looks better than he did in the film so it's kind of weird that they have like because it's not classic who the film is kind of its own thing so you could have you could have appropriated that into the new who yeah. canon but like nah yeah he, stri- he strikes it. me as the timothy dalton of uh, doctor who Pretty much, he sort yeah. of came between two long, you know, long-standing guys, and it was a bit—I don't know how what the characteristic of Paul McGann's Doctor is, but like a really good one. That it was a shame he didn't get to do more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. It, it was always a shame he didn't get to do more. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. Dalton, I think is he's a rival for Craig with Craig for best Bond. I think. All oh, right, I would okay. say. Um, but yes. So you don't like any of the episodes I don't. this season? I, I, okay. I will say for the snowman, I think it was the snowman. That's the one with the Santaran in at the beginning, right? Strax, yes. Strax, yeah. I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
it baffles me why aliens are never long-term companions. And seeing that crystallized, a Sontara needs to be a long-term companion. <laughs> they're great. That's the thing. They are sort of... They, they don't travel with him, but they are kind of companions because they've got, they've got like... They appear like three or four times this series, yeah. you know? They, 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 they also like, appear during Capaldi's reign, just an FYI. Oh, you're going to... Okay, I was kind of keeping no, it on DL, but whatever. No. Um, but yeah, they're sort of like guests, um, characters... Well, supporting characters in all but name yeah. in mm. this series. Yeah. The Pasta Nostra gang. The Pasta Nostra gang. So yeah, what do you think of them? Strax, Vastra and Jenny, that little group. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I like them. Yeah, okay. I like them. <laughs> I like Strax, definitely. Yeah, he's yeah. good fun. Who plays Strax? Dan, Dan Starsky? Uh, Starkey. Starkey. Dan Starkey. Not a, would we know um, from anything I think else? he's portrayed a Sontaran before. He yeah. did. So in the Sontaran stratagem. Yeah, he's like a backup. He's the, he, uh, he's yeah, the sec- he was the other Sontaran. Yeah, he's the second. Not Christopher, whatever his face is. Yeah, he's, just, he's the second in command. Yeah. Has he done anything other than Doctor Who that we know him from? I, um, I don't I know. I can have a look. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Yeah, he's fun. I think it's the, his delivery. Like, it's the comedy. It's typical Doctor Who comedy. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's his line delivery that sells it. Yeah, definitely. He's done nothing. He's done nothing good. Okay. Oh dear. Okay. He's in Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> right. How does he look uh, in real life if he's playing gnomes and Sontarans? What's why? Well, he's been he's a short fella. Yeah. Is is he a uh, you know a, a little person as they say? Well, if we're in the habit of giving away uh, spoilers, Eddie, we actually do see him as himself in a later Doctor Who oh. episode. Not himself, but we see him without yes, makeup. Okay. On. Playing a different character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course we do. I oh, will yeah. look forward to that then. What's his name? David? Uh, Dan, Dan Starkey. Starkey. Dan Starkey. Is he related to David Starkey, the conservative historian? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I like, that might I like be a David stretch. Starkey. I like, I like the Starkeys, clearly. <laughs> clearly, yeah. I will ask you both. I mean, Eddie has said that his favourite episode was Cold War. Yeah. Mm. And maybe Day of the Doctor? Were they, like, tied? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, they're, they're the best two. Cold War is my favourite purely because I like the Ice Warriors. Okay. But Day of the Doctor is technically a better episode, I suppose. Right, okay. Uh, Sam, what would you say I your favourite episode is? If you dare to have one. I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell. What's the one on the sub? The sub Cold War. Cold War, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that one because it. when I think of Series 7, that's the episode I'm thinking of. So, okay. yeah, it's the most, like, I- iconographic, I guess. Partly because it's a sub, but okay. also because it, it boasts the the cream of Britain's next crop of great acting acting talent. Oh yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of good actors. Yeah, in there, James in Norton, uh, Josh O'Connor. What's his face from Davos? What's his real name? Liam Cunningham. Yeah, there's quite a few good ones in there. Also, I think it's Mark Gatiss. So oh, I is it? Okay, it is Ma- yeah. it's Mark Gatiss. You definitely have a thing. You definitely have a uh, a thing you like about Doctor Who, Sam, and that's Mark Gatiss. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not like because he's done the things I liked about his earlier episodes was that he was doing the the regional and historical specific dialogue well, right? Yes, that's obviously not the case ness with Cold War. But so yeah, you must be doing something that I can't quite that, that's unconscious well, to me. Okay, so what did you think of the Crimson Horror? Because I think that was also written by him. I don't think I was a no, not not a big fan of that one. Okay. Yeah, but it's obviously, yeah, he's got... Because he did Adventure in Space and Time as well, didn't he? Which we will get to. Yes, which we will get to. Um, yeah. There's obviously something, something that he does that I'm, that I'm a fan of. I liked in The Crimson Horror when... Because it's set in uh, Victorian Yorkshire. Mm. And uh, when when the when they show the cadaver in the morgue and he's like, oh, that's put me right off me mash. Yeah. <laughs> I really laughed at that. I was like, yeah. I wonder why <laughs> Doctor Who hasn't done Yorkshire before. Because yeah. it's, it's a good oh, place. What's, what's Jodie Whittaker? Is she Yorkshire? Yes. Oh, it's set in Sheffield. Oh, Sheffield, then. Modern Doctor Who. 
Yeah. Northern yeah, lass. Okay. Oh, maybe that's why they haven't done Yorkshire. Because when they do, it's shit. Because <laughs> when they do, it's it's wit. Okay. <laughs> oh. Um. So okay. So Cold War seems to be the the prevailing yeah. favorite. Yeah. Um. It's all right. I like it. I like the Bells of Saint John. Which one's that? The first. That's the, the Wi-Fi f- episode. The first. Clara's technically Clara's first episode. Oh, okay. Motorbike up the building. Right. Motorbike yeah, up the building. Okay. I don't know. That's just that's such an easy watch right. for me. I just put that on. And I'm like ah. Doctor Who. Okay. I was going to okay. say, if that's the episode you're choosing to go, ah, Doctor Who, there's like at least two seasons before that I'd put on. Oh, no, no. I'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking about within this series. There are like much better episodes of The Bells of St. John. Yeah. Um, but like when we're talking purely about Series 7, it's like, yeah, I guess it's that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's The Bells of St. John. Okay. I. Uh, what else do we bring up? Do we bring up Nightmare in Silver? Um, because that's a Neil Gaiman episode, and I believe... The script for that episode was originally an hour and a half long, and they had to basically cut half of it out. Right. So that episode was just, like, butchered in production. And I think you can tell coming out of the other end. Yeah. Well, I, that was the one that I... Just going off the title and the fact that it was Neil Gaiman, I thought, with knowing nothing about it, this will be my favourite of this. Mm. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. So do you want you want to talk specifically about the anniversary Episode. Yeah, I feel like we should at least acknowledge it. I mean, I what was your experience watching it, Eddie? Because I went to the cinema with my sister to watch it. I was that guy. I, I watched know? it. I made an effort to watch it with my family. Okay. Which um, that was like... Yeah, a- I think my parents were like, they, they'd gone out somewhere. So it wasn't like I was depriving my family of like the privilege of sitting with me while I wa- while we watched. No, the 50th but I, I I don't watch. I other than like the Christmas special, I probably wouldn't have watched it with my family otherwise. I see. Okay. So I actually watched it with them. I watched it illegally on a laptop two days ago. <laughs> on, on, <laughs> yeah, on my right, own. Okay. Top <laughs> man. <laughs> on my own. Um. Yeah. So like I I don't feel like I have a biased opinion of this episode. Yeah. Because I don't feel like my opinion of this episode is unfairly. Like I don't, I don't think it's unfair. Right. But I can't. We can't escape the fact that I have like, I kind of watched it in a biased environment, right. I guess, because obviously the the cinema was full of Doctor Who fans. All of the trailers that showed beforehand were doc were like, they were for films that were coming out at the time, but they were like Doctor Who themed. Right. Okay. You had uh, Strax. He did like a presentation before the okay. film started. Um, well, here's a quick question to determine uh, maybe a personality difference. I don't know. So you're a big fan of Doctor Who. Do you get... Used to be, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Do you, <laughs> do you get on with fans of the same thing that you are? No. As in like, you, you, as in like, <laughs> oh, you like being part of that community of like, yeah, we're all fans, we're all enjoying this together. Because I have the complete reverse response to stuff like that. It depends, doesn't it? Because I'm really in... Uh, I really interact with people who are fans of the things I like. Right. I don't think I've ever really... I've spoken to people online who like Sonic, but I don't think in real life I've ever had any communication with a Sonic fan. Right. Um, and we like we do have a friend who's really into Doctor Who, mm-hmm. um, but he's into class classic Who. So there's a bit of a discrepancy in that. You he's know, into both, isn't he? He's into both, but he has knowledge of classic Who that yeah. I just don't. So right. there's a, you know, there's not. I'm not saying there's a hierarchy within the conversation, but there's definitely a discrepancy between the two of us. I, say, I mean, in terms um, of getting on with people within who like also like doctor who george you are as close as i get okay yeah well, yeah i don't my... feel like we've had bad interactions like no you know but that's what i mean like you, over no, but exactly but like that, that's the closest 
I get. I, in terms of meeting anyone else who's a fan of Doctor Who, usually people annoy me. Like you, yeah. you, you guys know that I'm a natural contrarian to some degree, but that extends to my fandom as well. I would never go to a, a fan convention. I would just wouldn't do it. Okay. If anything, if the thing I love the most. No, I, don't I wouldn't think be part I would of a, have, you know um, a forum or anything like that talking about why I love the thing so much. Mm. I, I, my fandom is a private thing. Do you know what I mean? Like we can share our fandoms about certain things mm. but in terms of like a group of people like this is the thing that is it's, very, it's culty to me you know it's yeah like, but like when we sort of uh, share our fandoms like to each other and on this podcast we're not we all have different relationships to the thing of which we're discussing yeah. so we're not in an echo chamber that's it you know? I think I'm wary of an echo yeah. chamber yeah yeah exactly no I can completely understand that but like, like, but I, I want you know, with the doctor going to the cinema to see the Doctor Who fiftieth. Yeah. Like, I wanted to do that because that was like that felt like an event, and that yeah. felt like, you know, oh, you know, as a fan, someone who's genuinely into the show, this feels like a, like an opportunity worth taking. I suppose <laughs> I don't know how to an, an appropriate best describe thing it. to do. Yeah, exactly, and it was a good experience. I did enjoy it. Um, the episode itself, going back to it. Um, Sorry, I've, I've just had my set of thunder for the first time. <laughs> I think ours is oh, passing now. You now. Yeah, yeah ours is going. Yeah, it's calmed down. Yeah, apologies, because um, I like, I was checking Audacity a couple of times, and my audio was spiking because of the rain. <laughs> so I do apologise if it's ruined our audio somewhat, <laughs> listeners. Fuck it. Here comes um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, going back to the episode, it's interesting. They Their solution to making the episodes feel more cinematic seems to have been to create... To, in- to use... I don't know if there's a word for it. Oh, or if I'm just forgetting the word. What was it? The word I'm going to use... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you approve, Sam. Uh, the word I'm going to use is spin-off shots. Spin-off shots. Spin-off shots. Right. They're basically shots that are sort of taking place within the scene, but not really. Explain. Okay, so you've got, like, examples where, like, uh, the Doctor is seeing the painting, Gallifrey Falls No More. Yeah. Or no more gallery. Oh shit, I spoiled it. I don't care. But mm. he's seeing that painting for the first time. And he's looking at it with Clara. And then it cuts to a shot of him in the room by himself staring at the painting. Mm. Even though the dialogue from the actual scene is still carrying on. Right. Now obviously that shot doesn't exist within the reality of the story. Right. I guess it's supposed to show the headspace of the Doctor. That he feels like he's alone in the room. I'm not quite okay. sure. And there's like other examples where when Rose and John Hurt are interacting... There's like moments where she's like in this white void and she's sort of staring up into the sky as she's talking to John Hurt in the actual scene that's taking right. place. And there's loads of instances like that where it's like constantly cutting to these shots that are like spin-offs. They're like spinning off from the actual scene. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to have been their solution to making it look more cinematic. So kind of like a microscopic version of a, of the Mind Palace where that's obviously not literally happening. You're not literally exploring yeah. the Mind Palace. Yeah. Okay. I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I thought that was an interesting way of doing it because I mean I think their filming was slightly nicer cameras as yeah. well but yeah they really seem to be they seem to take the opportunity of the 50th to kind of up their filmmaking game a little right. bit more and their solution seems to be oh let's just cram it full of spin-off shots stuff does that does you that know? is that where this starts now then the new era you know the, the, the look of that show have we moved into a new era oh you can definitely I mean like even when you go to uh, the time of the Doctor, which is Matt Smith's final episode yeah. that takes place after the 50th, like that feels a little bit more cinematic as right. well. But yeah, like when series eight begins, you've got Peter Capaldi coming in. I think Ben Wheatley directs the first two episodes. Uh, right. Obviously, he's a cinematic director. Yeah, okay. yeah, so like the show definitely feels like it's 
aspiring to a cinematic look. Yeah. More than it ever has before. Yeah. Can please carry on. I've got, like, said, <laughs> I've, 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 I've like said everything that I have to say. Really, like I don't have any additional yeah. notes on um, that special, other than to say that it, it, it does it again of the the, the badass thing of um, the three of them walking together. You know, with the yeah, yeah, with you know. What um, was it like seeing David Tennant back? That's my answer, I guess. When you talk about like the, the moments that they clearly thought were good to like badass that they thought were cool, mm. you is you have the moment where uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant both jump on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is such a wanky moment. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable levels of wankiness. But I also think when the th- they're in the, the, the TARDISes and he's he, and you have like Alan Z Geronimo and he's just like for fuck's sake and he's like Galaface like rises or stands or whatever he fucking says <laughs> and I was like yeah, theirs do at least sound a little bit better than what he's saying because he just sounds like an old man that does is too grumpy for his own good which I know is the point he, yeah you know, he's, he's like war torn yeah, you know probably. but then he, he, he you know and it's just like Galaface rise you know <laughs> so, oh, mate fuck off do they um <laughs> Do they echo Tennant's final line in a different context? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, sa- he do. says, "I don't want to go," and then Matt Smith says, "I always says that." Why was he? But he's talking about something trivial at that point, right? What, what um, he- like Matt Smith tells him, "You're going to Trenzalore one day." All oh, right, I don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's and like, he goes, oh, "I don't want to go." Don't to wanna tra- go I don't want to go. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, um, yeah, yeah, fan service, which you know, some of it I appreciate, but there's a lot of it which is just like, ah, that's you know, you're trying too hard. You're hitting here. a gong. Such as Billy Piper's inclusion. Yeah, yes. Well, clearly, clearly that was yeah. meant for Eccleston, right? Yeah. I would say. Even though I guess he's more yes. a tenant one. Um, it's a shame they couldn't get Eccleston. It would have been nice to see him back. Yeah. Like, I didn't, you know, tenant was like, oh, it's tenant. But oh, Eccleston obviously remains my favourite doctor. Just seeing Eccleston, yeah. I, I just like seeing Eccleston. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I like his presence. I think he's got really good presence about yes. him. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that was a shame. I mean,. I've stopped trying to understand what's going on on any level, really. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I, I was only I was going to bring up uh, Tom Baker as well. Yeah, again, like the ultimate. Ding, I mean, you know, that is the ultimate fan service. Yeah. And I, the only thing I will say about it is that they had asked him multiple times to come back for different things. It was quite nice that he did finally say yes. And I'll say one little again his inclusion I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing I understand because it's it is what it is that you know that anniversary special mm. I don't know how much he acts anymore Tom Baker and not, obviously, lo- like, I know not he loads did, yeah he did like the, the voiceover for Little Britain or whatever when he turned up it wasn't like oh god they're gonna, they've got an actor who used to be Doctor Who in the 60s or whatever that yeah. can't do it anymore but he can still act so that was nice. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, he's actually all right. Yeah. I expect it to be imb- a bit embarrassing, frankly, but it wasn't. Okay. Like getting Hartnell back, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, they couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they did once, right? But he had to get, deliver all of his dialogue from a chair or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the most embarrassing thing about Tom Baker's inclusion is it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, is he the doctor? Is he somebody else like what's going on there I don't I don't think that's ever been explained he's the curator whatever that means the curator well he just runs the gallery doesn't he yeah but is he the doctor or yeah. is he the guy that the doctor based his face on or is he like the doctor but old like what the fuck's going on well this is part this is part of the continuum that I brought up quite a long time ago maybe is it like series one or two <laughs> 
Doctor Who is not just a television show. It's a conversation with the public. Yeah. And so at a certain point, it will prioritize um, populism over sense. <laughs> right. Prior- over narrative, necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So you can't blame it too much. It, it's, you know, it's a property. It's an institution. It's not It's not a, a, a novel in motion. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that, those are the two main strands of Doctor Who. There's Doctor Who the show and there's Doctor Who the brand. Yeah. You know? I just want to throw this in ancillarily for no reason whatsoever. I had a dream once where they were revealing who was playing the next James Bond. Mm-hmm. And the big reveal was that it was Sean Connery who'd be playing James Bond as an old man. Okay. And I still really like that idea. And I'd want to use that idea in something. Do you know what I mean? I think actually Damon Lindelof talked about, I heard him talk about this. Like it'd be really cool to do a Batman film with Michael Keaton in a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the Tom Baker thing reminded me of that. Okay. Right. Is there anything more to say about that anniversary special? No. Yeah. We want to avoid spinning our wheels, just being like, oh yeah, it's just bad, isn't it? Okay. We'll move on then to an adventure in space and time. Yes. So this was directed by a Breaking Bad director. Oh, was it now? Yeah. He directed, he's directed three episodes of Breaking Bad, including Better Call Saul. Okay. So that was like, oh, okay. He's directing it. Interesting. Yeah. And Mark Gatiss wrote it. And Mark Gatiss wrote it. And it's a period piece. And it's period. Yes. Um, so, so it's all looking up at the moment. <laughs> you guys told me to watch this because you've said fans like consider it part of Doctor Who almost. Yeah, even though it's 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 basically a film because it's like an hour and a half long. Yeah. So it's sort of like a TV movie about the inception of Doctor Who. Yeah. And it sort of skims through the first... Well, it basically skims through um, the moment Doctor Who was conceived by Sidney Newman. It goes through the production of like the opening episodes and it sort of deals with the run of William Hartnell as the Doctor. Yeah, and that's right, where the show... Troughton. Yeah. yeah, it ends when Patrick Troughton takes over yeah. the role. Yeah. But because of when it came out, it's sort of... It's usually included in Doctor Who marathons. Okay. Like, there's a crossover with the actors as well because a lot of the actors are um, also used in the show. Right. I don't know if that's, like, an official thing people, like, use as a reason. But, it, yeah, it's, it's often it's bundled in the It's the reason I very much hate it. Okay, well, here's the thing, here's the thing. Because the two of you before expressed a degree of dismay that it used some of the same actors. Yes, such as uh, David Bradley. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. I gotta be honest, because... Okay. Yeah, this this has got nothing to do with Doctor Who other than being part of the anniversary um, special. It is a completely separate thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It would be like... There's one moment where it kind of pushes it a little bit. Yes, I know know the moment you mean. I think I know the moment you mean. Yeah. But the Matt Matt Smith bit, which I have written on my notes as, fuck off, Matt Smith. Well, the only only problem... (laughs) No, no, he has no need to be in the show whatsoever. We'll get get to that. But um, yes, it's like, it would be like watching Tolkien as part of a Lord of the Rings marathon, basically. Mm. Okay. But I watched it because you told me to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's fine. But thing, it's yeah. fine. I in terms of <laughs> we'll take that no, as a victory. Thing, given what I, you think I th- of series, I, th- I think it's an interesting bit of history, mm. and I, and in that regard, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. But I don't like when I say I don't like the the, the use of the cast. It's because there's so many members of the cast right. that are okay. in Doctor Who. I don't like the use of David Bradley. Okay, and then as I say, the Matt Smith moment does just piss me off. Um, you know why they did it, though. 
right? I don't care why they did it. <laughs> yeah, but that that is like a um like the purpose of that moment is like in that moment William Hartnell realizes that he has faith that the show will continue. Yes, on, and Matt Smith is sort of a physicalization of that moment. But, yeah, but William Hartnell didn't have that faith. No, but he, well, I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's historically accurate or not. The problem with that moment is. I would say, all right, all told, whatever we think, well, we'll go into what we think about certain aspects of it. It's something you release for the 50th anniversary, right? Yeah. It's, it's not going to stand up outside of that, really. And Matt Smith being in it is part of that because in Five Doctors' time, you're going to look back and go, why why have they singled out Smith as the one yes, that he was exactly, foreseeing? Yeah. Because it just happened to be he was a doctor at the time. So I get it. And I yeah. actually think it's quite a nice idea but yeah, I don't know what Hartnell really thought. I've heard accusations he was a racist, but all of these seem to be contradicted by how he behaved towards yes. people of colour on the set. I found it really interesting that the director was in, an Indian, British Indian, like even, even in yep. the 60s, you know? Yeah. Um, and that it was, uh, that the producer was a woman. A producer Verity was a, Lambert, yeah. whatever her name was. Yeah, exactly. It always kind of like, that's always the thing that I come back, whenever the show is like tri- uh, trumpeting, like, you know, um, oh, when when the Twitter account's like, oh, happy International Women's Day. And like, it's like in the actual episodes, it's sort of pushing like, you know, oh, women are great. Women, it's like, why? Like, this show was basically created by a woman. Why are you so insecure about yeah. like... It was really shocking. Like Doctor on that Who is like this male thing that needs to be feminized. Like it's a woman who brought it to the screens. Yeah, you know yeah, exactly. Well, it reminded me of. Um, so I think the, f- the film generally it's breezy and it's jaunty and it's quite innocuous. Yeah, it's a very like pleasant afternoon kind of film. It, it's it? not as good as it, but it reminded me of um, Saving Mr. Banks. Or like both in its the idea of it. You know, of seeing the birth of this thing. Yes. But also in its tone, I thought they were very similar. Like, you can watch it with a family. Another interesting parallel there is that Saving Mr. Banks was created by Disney. Right. And it's about Walt Disney. Yes. And this is about Doctor Who and it's created by the BBC. Sure. The show, like, the film is actually created by the BBC. So, like, when you were saying, Eddie, that, like, William Hartnell didn't have faith in Doctor Who, like, I'm not completely doubting the the credibility of the history that they're presenting. Mm. But that's always a bit of a worry, isn't it? When a company is making a film about its own history, that it's sort of like... Yeah it runs the risk of perpetuating its creation myth. Yes, yeah. Like this creation myth. I didn't really get that impression. It didn't feel like it was being dishonest in its portrayal of Well, it kind events. of wasn't sensational enough to feel disingenuous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of presents basically what you think might have happened. I can imagine that the reality is a little bit more distasteful. Like if Hartnell was a bit of a racist, things like that. Mm. I can't see it them... Um, rosying the picture too much though because it, it, yeah. it's fairly mundane do you know what I mean like yeah. even though it, it birthed this massive national institution it's it's it, inception is fairly straightforward producer has idea gets another producer to yeah and like a, like there's a couple of road bumps but it basically does okay yeah it's a very small film as well isn't it it, it is very feel, small it doesn't really capture the scope of uh, the reach that Doctor Who had at the time. No. Most of the film takes place in the BBC studios. Yeah. William Hartnell's house in the BBC studios and like a park. That's, That's basically, basically where the yeah. film is set. Well, it's, quite, it's quite crisp. It's quite crisply executed. Yeah. The dialogue is nice and zippy. It gets to the point, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it also reminded me of, I think if you like this, you will like Quiz, which is the recent thing that ITV did, I think, about... Um, uh, millionaire. millionaire. Wants to be a millionaire. Very similar yeah. to that as well, which I quite liked. Okay. Yeah, um, it's not bad. David Bradley is pretty good at playing David Bradley with whiter hair. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, if he was ever born to play a role, it was that, right? Yeah. Grumpy old. I want to see David Bradley smile. That'd be nice. I'd like to see him smile once. Well, he smiles to Matt Smith. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think okay. that's, I think that's a what A reluctant grimace. Yeah. <laughs> I think the word for this, my, my final word on it is it's competent. Okay. That's, that's the word I use. Uh, I don't think it's, yeah. it's, it's nothing special. It's not great, you know, but there's nothing really bad about it either. I, in my opinion, I think it's just like, it's well done cookie cutter. Yeah. Is it something that you think works if you're not a fan of Doctor Who? Or if you don't really have any prior knowledge of the show. Oh yeah, I would I would say that. Yeah. It does. I mean, I don't think the film works as a um I think it is something you put out for an anniversary. Like it it, it shouldn't well, really exist outside of that bubble. Well I say I think that's why mm. it was put out, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't think you have to be a fan to watch it, no. I think it is accessible okay. beyond that. But I wouldn't recommend it for anyone to watch it. Generally speaking, oh right, okay. no, okay, but not because it's bad. It's because it's like it's not worth. They're bad. It's not worth your time, sort of thing. It's just like it's, it's quite middle of the road, you know. Okay, okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, what what do you guys think? I don't like the use of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, generally, um, generally favorable opinions I have towards it. Okay, like I put it on, I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's a thing I've watched. Yeah, that passed. It wasn't a hard watch. It's not something I'll go back to for a while, but gosh darn if it isn't a thing that exists. Pretty you know? much. But but that is enough to make it a world better than Series 7 of Doctor Who. <laughs> okay. Well, you've Matt Smith is now uh, gone. gone. Yay! Unfortunately. No. No, this is sad. <laughs> These are sad times. And okay. this is where Sam starts to hate Peter Capaldi. I can't. Well, I can't okay. Hate yeah, we won't. We won't influence your opinion. <laughs> you sure? I'm sure I'll hate. The, I'll sure. I'm sure I'll hate him as the Doctor, but I don't think you could make me hate Capaldi generally. But we'll see. We'll see how yeah. hard it fries. Mm. <laughs> end, end of series. End you, of series nine. Stop it, Eddie. <laughs> stop being. Stop being like that. Actually, no. Start a series nine. All of it. Just all of it. Is it? No, it's all it's like, I don't think you'll hate him in series eight, but series nine. We'll see. Yeah, we, we, okay. we, we won't say okay. any more about it. But uh, like you, I think you said a couple of episodes ago, you were kind of looking forward to um, Capaldi just because it marks a change in the show, like a significant change in the yeah. show to a certain degree. Um, are you still like, yeah, I want to see what Capaldi does. Yeah, the feeling after finishing this run, it definitely, it was like a, a taking a deep breath of like, it's all relatively straightforward from here on and it's going to be you know softly rebooted um similar to when tenant wrapped mm. and, and there was a sense that oh it's going to be, you know it's going to be um retooled now yeah but even more of a relief because while tenant i think towards the end it was getting a bit much yeah yeah series seven is really it's been the hardest so far for me interesting to get okay. through let's hope it remains that way but it we will won't. see Okay. Okay. All right. Stop it, Eddie. <laughs> I'm being. You're considering you're a writer. You're terrible at this. You're just giving shit away. Yeah, but I'm being honest to my friend. <laughs> oh, he's made all sincere. <laughs> <laughs> I th- no, writers don't have friends. <laughs> yeah, they just have. They have the. They have the craft, and that's. They it. have vessels for other experiences, which they exploit yeah. for their own material. Jordan, yes. uh, Jordan, there is a reason none of us have made it. <laughs> <laughs> All that thunderclap. Do we have yeah. anything else to say about uh, anything? No, no I, don't th- yeah, I, don't, okay. I don't think we do. No. Okay, fabulous then. Uh, we'll reconvene for series eight. Yep. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>